Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. I'm your, as per usual, host, Liam Edwards, and I welcome you to the 21st episode of the show. Now, just before we get started today, I wanted to let you know about a little competition we're running here on the show, uh, the very first, in fact, as a way of kind of giving back to you all uh, for your support and in uh, hopes also to promote the show, uh, I've created a little competition. Uh, To enter, all you have to do is follow the show on Twitter and retweet this special competition tweet that's on the Final Games Twitter page, uh, which you can find by searching at Final Games Show. Um, but what are the prizes, I hear you cry? Well, I sort of knocked my head together about what games I'd personally take with me to a deserted island, like my guests, and being fortunate enough to live in Japan at the moment, I'm open to all sorts of gaming collectibles uh, and delicacies from the past, uh, if you like. Uh, so the winner of the competition will actually receive a Japanese retail box version of Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, two of my most favorite RPGs of all time. So if you want to be in a chance to win them, make sure you head over to the Twitters and uh, retweet and follow the show Uh, I mean whilst you're at it why not go the whole hog and follow on SoundCloud as well or leave a review on iTunes that would be superb but anyway I have a lovely guest with me today who is uh, waited in the wings long enough Uh, my guest today started out as a part-time indie developer before creating his own studio starting life as the incredibly named zombie cow studios my guest's indie studio size 5 games has gone on to develop multiple titles games that include the BAFTA award-winning privates a sex education game developed for channel 4 Ben there Dan that a point-and-click adventure that narcissistically um, features himself (laughs) and most recently released a cyberpunk heist title called the swindle which released on steam last year to excellent and rave reviews but you might know him recently because of his latest project that's doing the rounds on twitter and even in the mainstream media kickman is a yet to be released football game developed by my guest with the caveat that he actually knows nothing about football and is building it from the ground up based on his own idea of how football is actually played if you've been following him on twitter you will have seen multiple gifts and videos of hilarious versions of football over the last few weeks It's a project I'm incredibly excited about as both a football fan and a fan of zany football games. So my guest today is the lovely Mr. Dan Marshall. Hello, Dan. Hello, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing? Good, lovely intro. Thank you very much. Oh, no worries. (laughs) I I hope it was to your liking. (laughs) Yes, so recently, um, people will have... So maybe people have known you uh the swindle last year was very big on steam and received excellent yeah. reviews such a great game um but recently obviously kickman has been this weird i it, obviously i saw it from your <laughs> weird own is the right word <laughs> yeah it is the right word but it's been picked up by like mainstream media as well because it is this strange project where you're doing a football game uh but you don't know anything about football <laughs> yeah, I know nothing about football whatsoever. It's one. Well, it's weird because I basically what happened was I um I saw the trailer for Super Arcade Football. I'd been working on this project, this thing I haven't announced yet, and it's it had been taking a long time and it's getting quite bogged down. Okay, and I just sort of fancied like doing a little game jam sort of silly thing. Yeah, and um so I had this idea. I watched the Super Arcade Football thing, and I thought I had this sort of silly idea to make a make a football game, but it was going to be like a you know like a when you're a kid and you're just kicking a ball against the wall. Yeah. So like a sort of sort of like a sort of super hexagon kind of really short, intense experience about about football skills. Um, And I sort of started making it and um, was just posting gifts of it to Twitter and and joking about and and playing (laughs) 
playing the fool and you know and you know all that sort of stuff and as an indie developer one of the things that's really quite difficult especially in this day and age is that it's really hard work convincing like getting people to engage with the stuff you're putting out right so i could put up a gif of the swindle or i could put up a gif of any game i'm making um and it would probably you know my diehard fans would would retweet it and yeah. like it and stuff, but it would sort of do all right. Okay. And the weird thing about Kickmen was it was just going crazy right from the start. So I'd put up a GIF and just it would take off and it would go everywhere and people were retweeting it and talking about it and all that sort of stuff. So um, I sort of realized that actually I can't look that gift horse in the mouth and I should probably make something <laughs> more out of it than, you know, just a silly five-minute free game. Um, and so I sort of, t- so I started making, turning it into a proper football game with teams and, you know, goals and kicking against each other and AI and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And I'm, and so now into sort of month two of making it and I'm, I was bored of football to start with. And now, man, I can't even begin <laughs> to describe how much. Has it not tempted you? Obviously today, oh, the Euros, even, the Euros start, you're not even slightly tempted not even the t- less interested in Euro 96. <laughs> Euro 96 was obviously the last one I remember. Euro 96 was obviously my peak. I was 16 years old. So that was the last, I think that's the last time I realised it happened. Yeah, no, whatever it is, Mexico 86, whatever we're on now. <laughs> I could not care less. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I had minimal enthusiasm for football to start with and, and behind the, um, behind the Kickman has sapped every sort of ounce of it. It's funny, actually, because uh, what amazes me about Kickman is I just want to play it. I, I have grown up being a fan of football. I love football. Um, but I've never... I mean, I've played games like FIFA and PES and that kind of thing, and serious football games. But they always get so boring. And, <laughs> and it's funny because, obviously, you probably find the same thing about real football. I don't find real football boring, but I find football games boring boring yeah but i absolutely love football games that have like an arcade spin on like uh, you know original sensible soccer or the super arcade but like uh super mario strikers i absolutely love that game i love games that take you know my idea of exciting football and then actually make it exciting so seeing kickman and seeing the gifts of what kickman was doing i was like yes this, I was, this, I want this. Yes, this. <laughs> it's weird. It's actually one of the things I've been struggling with for like the last month in terms of the design of it. Is, is you know, it's it's a good game and it's good fun. And when you when you play it, it's um, especially if it's especially if it's nil nil, right up until the end, and then someone scores, and then and then you're trying to get it back before full time. It's actually quite exciting and quite good fun to play. But it's not. It, it hasn't kind of got that loop thing yet. I don't think that. Um, keeps you coming back for more okay which is what which is a weird game design thing where it's 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 sort of you know because i made a game called gun monkeys which no one really played but um i was very fond of and very proud of and it's one of those games where you you play you play a match of gun monkeys and then the as soon as it ends you want to do another one because it's just so random and it's so fun and seeing what can happen in it was all, I don't know. I don't know what it was. It had this sort of loop that made me, I found it Moorish and I'm trying to work out whether kick men's lack of that is my fault for hating football or whether it doesn't have that. (laughs) It doesn't just doesn't have that. (laughs) So, um, so I'm putting in a few bits and pieces to try, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to come together. It really is starting to work well as a game. Now I've had, well, I, quite a lot of it was down to the AI, whether or not the AI was up to scratch. 
um, because obviously it was, it's no fun just easily being able to beat the other team. Yeah. Is, isn't fun. You, you sort of want them walking all over you at times. So now that the AI are doing really well, it's actually, you know, the game has improved tenfold, you know, hundredfold, ten thousandfold. I don't know to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot better. Um, but it's still it's still kind of trying to find that fun. And tr- as you say, like, you know, trying to make it so that when you when you finish a match, the first thing you want to do is is play another one. Um, which is which is a which is a tricky thing to nail, I think. So um, how long do you ha- well, it's a difficult question to obviously answer, but how long do you reckon now until you actually will be like, okay, I think Kickman's done. And what um, are you what are you I actually gonna I, do with it? Uh I'll put it on Steam and I'll charge a small fee for it because okay. because it's my job. Um but it won't be it won't be very much. It's a it's a it's a it's a little game. It's a but it's but it's potentially infinite because you could theoretically play it forever. I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I what I want to do with it, I'm not promising anything, but I I think that at the moment it's it's a strictly single player thing. There's no there's no local local multiplayer or online stuff because um, I don't, I don't sort of think that that's going to add anything to the game. So at the moment you start off with a lowly team and you work your way out to win the World Cup. Um, I want to. I want to get the game playing good first. I'm going to stick some plot in it. I'm going to stick in a, a few little cutscenes. Um, I'm I'd like to put like a daily play thing in. So um, you log in and it generates you a random team and okay. um, you play a match against um, you know another random team um, and then it ranks you online how well you've done or however everyone else has played that that kind of you know that daily play thing. I a, think like might that asynchronous multiplayer thing. That yeah, seems to be yeah, quite yeah. Popular so now. if that. If that works, I'll put that in. If it's if okay. it doesn't work, it's it's not you know, it's not worth doing. Um, so I don't know. Probably by the end of the month, it'll be everything. Everything but the daily play will be done. Okay. I might conv- try and convince someone else to do the daily play bit for me, so save me a bit of time. Um, <laughs> what what are the, what are the, like the team names you have? Because obviously you don't have official licenses or anything. Do you have some pretty crazy names going for you? I uh, just it it randomly generates them. I can't. I haven't got the list in front of me because I shut it all down before we started talking, so I wouldn't just sort of <laughs> click it around. But uh, it's basically um, sort of over fantasized British village names and stuff. So like, I've, I've taken. <laughs> so like it's it's they're all very twee names. It randomly generates it randomly generates names. Um, every football team name ends with United because I think that's right. Um, <laughs> As a city apart, fan, that that hurts. Well, as a city fan, it would it would generate you Manchester City United. So that's oh, <laughs> excellent! <laughs> I don't know what United means. I, in my head, United just means football team. Right? So like, <laughs> well, you're kind of not wrong. So yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> have you? Have you? Has there ever been any time when you thought, I don't know what to do with this? Maybe I'll look up a video of actual football. On uh, no, I've I've stopped and I've looked at videos of because um, when I started making it, I was I'm much more interested in in making what sensible soccer is in my head, right? So yeah. it's obviously not sensible soccer, but it's how I think sensible soccer was after 20 years of not having played sensible soccer. Um, so that's kind of how it started out, and then it and then it started to get a bit more speedball um, because it kind of has this argy bargy feel that I don't think Sensi had. So like at the moment it feels like a cross between Sensi and Speedball. Um uh so I I've I've sort of looked at those to try and refresh my memory about what was going on in them and, and all that sort of thing. But I've 
I got no. I got no desire to do any actual research. I don't think that's important. <laughs> I don't think well, that, the well, the idea of you of you creating a game without having any idea of what it's you know actually meant to be based on it is really appealing to to me, especially. I just want to see. I can't imagine a world of not knowing what football is like. Obviously, the way I've grown up. So the idea of seeing it through someone's eyes who barely understands what happens obviously like obviously i know that a football pitch isn't round i'm not an idiot so like (laughs) obviously some stuff obviously some stuff i've been quite flippant with and quite um yeah yeah, not really not i'm not i'm not a complete idiot i'm just um (laughs) taking a little bit of artistic license with 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 one or two elements so um (laughs) so you'll know i guess you'll never really know what stuff i don't know and what stuff that's true that's the hidden mystery of it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could have like a Steam achievement list where when some a player completes something, you could be like, "Yep, I didn't know what this was before the project." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Well, you're here to talk about other people's games uh, yeah. today, so you've chosen eight games for your deserted place that we'll get onto in a little while, and the role relatively uh, recent games, apart from maybe one or two. Yeah, I was quite surprised by that as well. But I think like the trouble was when you when you invited me on and I was it sounds like the easiest thing in the world to do is to pick eight games. Yep. And so you pick eight games that you like and then you think, well you know, like you get a bit bogged down in the in the rules of like the Desert Island Discsy kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so like, okay, I can pick my eight favourite games, but and then you go, Well, would I want to sit and play them forever? Probably not. I know I should be <laughs> clever about this and pick games that I can play forever and like starting taking the like your rules a bit too seriously um but like they're kind of they're kind of they've wound up being kind of a mix of th- games that i really enjoy and have inspired me and i take a lot of pleasure from playing and interest in and um games that i'm basically trying to cheat the system um and remain entertained while in exile <laughs> it's funny because essentially all the email chains i've ever had for the show i've always gone <laughs> i've always gone Hey, do you want to come on the show? Talk about eight games that you really like uh, for a deserted island. They're like, hell yeah, sure. Sounds good. Sounds easy. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'll give you a week to think of the games. They're like, yeah, a week. That's loads of time. I don't need a week. And then like two emails later, it's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever (laughs) had to do. (laughs) You suddenly can't remember any games. That's the problem. What games exist? I can't remember. <laughs> well, we might as well get into the first one then. Um, yeah. So we're going to listen to some music from your first game, which is is the is the first game on this list that has actually been released this year, um, which is not something that happens very often on the show. So we're going to listen to some music from the next game and dive straight into it. Thank you. 
Okay, Dan, so the first game you've chosen for your list today uh, was developed by Jake Solomon and his team at Firaxis. It's a game published by 2K, and it's the sequel to the extremely popular strategy RPG, XCOM Enemy Unknown. It released February 5th of this year for PC, and last week, 2K announced it's coming to PS4 and Xbox One in November later this year. It received excellent reviews, and is a game I truly, truly liked. It's XCOM 2. Ah, oh, XCOM 2. Such a wonderful, wonderful experience. I had a little bit of a problem in um, sort of February this year in that I didn't get any work done um, in that XCOM <laughs> basically took over my life. And I, I started, you know, I'd sit down to do some work first thing in the morning and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'd say, well, I'll play a bit of XCOM 2 at lunch. And then lunch, I'd be like, oh, I'll start lunch at like half 11 today because I'm hungry. <laughs> and then that was it. That would be it for the day. And I just, I, you like, you can't stop it. It's what, and it's like XCOM is odd because um, I never played the originals um, when I was a kid. I, I, I wasn't interested in turn-based stuff. I was a, I was a sort of immediate action kind of kid. So, okay, um, ma- like massive fan of Syndicate. Um, never even looked at XCOM. Didn't interest me at all. The, the concept of, um. Characters shooting at each other, taking turns to shoot each other, I just sort of found a bit silly and I was never interested. And then they announced the um, remake for, um, well, it was on, it was on um, PC and consoles. Yeah. And uh, I picked that up on console because I was, it's, I don't, you know, I obviously got great reviews and I was going to play it, but I just thought I'll pick up the console version to sort of show my support, you know, one extra sale for doing things like this on a platform like that. Let's, you know, um, and it, blew me away and I couldn't stop playing it. Like the original was, um, so the original remake um, was, was incredible and it took over my life and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And then um, I rebought it on PC to play uh, when they did the revamp, which was enemy within. Which Yeah. Has, that was the expansion. Uh, yeah. It was the expansion thing. Um, and one of the most exciting missions I think I've ever done in any video game, which is obviously, um, well, I, I assume random and could have been better or what, but there was a there was a level where um, all the chrysalids, which are sort of like XCOM's alien equivalent, you know, like a HR Geigery alien yeah. sort of horrible yeah. monstery yeah. thing, um, all erupt from inside a whale's stomach and on a on a research vessel, and you just have to run away, and um, they just keep coming, and you know you're pulling your squad back, and you can only move so far or shoot, move so far or shoot. So I was like desperately trying to get my guys back to the extraction zone and uh uh made it you know with all of them on basically no health and like just made it um <laughs> and my heart was pounding and it's and it's so weird that my heart was pounding because it's like theoretically you can take as much time as you like uh, yeah you could have sat there <laughs> right. with your heart pounding forever so to how be honest. Is, <laughs> so like how is this doing this to me when i'm you know, I could walk away and make a cup of tea. <laughs> and it was, I'd come back and we'd be in exact, it'd be exactly the same position. I can't now, but it just doesn't work like that. Anyway, so XCOM 2, I looked forward to immensely. I, you know, I've always been a fan of the Half-Life games. And, you know, obviously Half-Life 3 has been, for many years, the, the top of my games I would most like to be announced. Um, and maybe this X- week X-Com, well, well you know <laughs> XCOM 2 XCOM 2 is one of those things that um XCOM 2 actually eclipsed Half-Life 3 in terms of games I wanted 
Oh, or really? Decided to come out. Yeah. Well, to was... be fair, it's a, a little bit more of a realistic want, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> after like after ten years taking the top slot, Half Life Three slipped down one briefly. <laughs> one spot. <laughs> I think XCOM Three is now my most uh, my most anticipated. Um, so when they announced it, I was I was very excited, and um, I watched the trailer that they put out when they announced it, and then basically went dark on it you know you can always tell when you're actually genuinely excited about something when you avoid all anything that could be spoilers anything that could, i didn't want to know what enemies are in it i didn't want to know what guns were in it i didn't want to know how to do it because i want to experience all that stuff for myself for the first time so i went on a complete media blackout and you know very difficult like looking at Eurogamer news when all around it was, <laughs> well, you know, the entire splash screen, all the adverts were XCOM 2 stuff. For a, I think that's totally Chris Bratt. I think that's totally yeah, yeah, Chris exactly, Bratt's fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was so when it was announced, I was, I was just exceptionally excited, and um, and then and then February rolled round, and I had obviously bought it immediately, uh, and and played it right from the from the second it was released or first thing in the morning, and. Uh, didn't stop <laughs> but it's a little bit of a problem and i played it through and i i played it through and um immediately started another game like i i sort of got i made it i got through and i was like well that's that done now so like at least i've scratched that itch and i can get on and get back to work and you know stop messing around playing xcom 2 the whole time and then uh immediately started a new game and and got hooked into that instead. It's, it's, it's weird because XCOM just has this, which is something I tried to ape in the Swindle a little bit. Obviously, it's, they're very different games and they're not the same thing. But XCOM has this amazing ability where um, you start out in your base and there's a load of base stuff to do, which is all very simple stuff, but it's quite satisfying you know, clicking on things and, yeah, to, and setting, and, setting and up the research and, and, all that and deciding yeah. what things to do. And then... At the end of the at the end of when all that's done, um, and and it basically at some point it's going to force a mission on you. So you keep on you keep on fast forwarding through time, and it will come up and say, "Finished researching that gun. What new gun do you want to research?" And you go, "Okay, I research this instead." And then it will, and you fast forward time again, and it will say something like, "Oh, your soldiers have healed," and you go, "Brilliant." And then you go, "Okay, we've invented this for you," and you go, "Okay, brilliant." And you fast forward through time, and eventually it will go, "Ah, oh, you got to go and do a mission next." Yeah. Um, there's no way around it. So you just sort of go, okay, and now I'll just set up my squad. I'll just set up my squad and see like what the level's like. And then, and then I'll stop. And then you boost up the level. Um, <laughs> and then you're into it. Right. And then you play that. Yeah. Um, and you play that and you play the whole thing through because obviously, because it's so, it's such a good game. And then that finishes. And then, Immediately when it finished, when you finish the level, you've got soldiers to promote and pick new skills for, and then you're into the whole thing again. You go, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just do the base stuff, and then I'll stop. And then you do the base stuff, and you promote your soldiers, and you take your new guns, and you give them all the armor that's just finished researching, and you do all this sort of stuff. Um, and then it gives you another mission, and you go, well, I'll just look at what the mission is, and then I'll, and then I'll stop, and then. The mission kicks in, and then obviously you do it because it's <laughs> because it's such good fun. And then and then you just the same thing again. Oh, I've got two soldiers promoted. I'll just I'll just promote them, and then I'll stop. And it's just and then suddenly suddenly it's six o'clock in the evening, and you you know 
you've wasted the entire day. But it's, <laughs> it's it's one of those games that I just think is well, it's good for the it's good for the exile exile you know part of your podcast because it is the good thing about oh, XCOM to over XCOM is that it's got a lot more random generation in it, so there's yeah. a lot more the map, um, the map generation and the mission generation is easily going to lend to that infinite replayability for the island. Yeah. Because, you know, um, XCOM, you, you sort of started to manage to cheat the system a little bit because you knew the maps yeah. well and that sort of thing. Whereas here, like, buildings and cover and enemy placements and all that sort of stuff is, is randomly generated. So it's got a little bit more uh, longevity in that in that sense. And um, so, what, so obviously, XCOM 2 worked well for, for the purposes of the podcast. Uh, and I think it's just, it's just one of those magnificent experiences that... Uh, you know, it feels like it feels like chess at times, and it feels like um, the best action film you've ever seen, and it feels like you know a dreadful B movie that you're enjoying way more than you should. <laughs> yeah. Like the and aliens feels... from outer space, uh, yeah, kind of like, like B movie. But, but, it, but it revels in, like it revels in all that stuff. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, even like from the original, which you know, like Terror from the Deep was obviously like heavily B movie inspired. You can see it just <laughs> in the way it was set up, and they've obviously done a loving job of sort of carrying that over. But it's yeah, it's so it's, so it's got all this all this um, incredible level of um, detail to it in terms of the. How, how much stuff is going on in 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 the actual game itself, um, and the tactics and the things that are available to you and the mistakes you can make and all this sort of thing. It's that heavy risk reward system, and when it comes down to it, it's you know this thing where you've got a guy pointing a gun at an alien and it says sixty six percent chance to hit, and you go. And you hover for like <laughs> 10 minutes because you know if it misses, that's another one of your squad members is going to die. Yeah. Because they're like, they're, the alien is like right on top of them. This has to hit. Is there anything else I can do? And there's, you know, you go through every option. Like, can I throw a grenade, which would be a definite kill? Can I um, work my way around? Can I use a special move? Can I do something else? And it comes down to the fact that, no, this is it you've got a 66% chance of making this shot or not. And then you click that button and oh, I don't know. It just feels like every time you do that, it feels like one of those moments where like the universe divides. <laughs> I mean, like, like, and, there's a, and there's a happy universe where it hits. And then there's the darkest timeline where, where, where it didn't. <laughs> Bad things happen. Like, it feels like, like a decision monumentous enough to... yeah. Uh, to justify that kind of splitting of the universe. It's, it's, it's an incredible experience. And I would just highly recommend anyone uh, give the XCOM games a try. I've, I always, you know, like to point out when they're on sale on Twitter and stuff like that, when I notice, because, you know, I came to XCOM never having played a turn-based game before. That sort of, you know, just the entire genre, not my kind, not my kind of thing, not the sort of thing I would play. And you know, I was a, I was a syndicate kid over XCOM. I, you know, I was a, you know, a Doom and a, you know, a, a Sonic Hedgehog action sort of. Yeah. Was was me in the nineties. Fast paced, uh, two D action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bullets flying all, all over the stuff. screen, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and all this sort of stuff didn't didn't really appeal, and I I took a chance on it because I thought it looked like it could be interesting, and it has actually overtaken my life and bumped its way up to. Uh, 
you know, best game I think I've ever played XCOM 2. Um, wow, that is quite experience. the title. I know. It's funny, Which actually. Saying because... lots. I've played a lot of games. <laughs> it's funny you saying all this, actually, because... I kind of, I'm kind of zoning out when you talk about it because I'm thinking about my own XCOM 2 missions and I kind of lost a lot of February to it as well. Um, (laughs) but it's funny because I've kind of got bogged down in May. May had lots of good games, lots of brand new games. Uh, there's another strategy series I really like and that's Fire Emblem. Uh, obviously the other side of the strategy coin to XCOM. But it's funny because XCOM 2 feels so long ago because of all these new titles that have just come out. And we've obviously had the Witcher 3 expansion that's just come out and yeah. No Man's Sky has been delayed and all these things are happening that there is XCOM 2. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this weekend, I'm, I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to play it again. I have played <laughs> it before. I loved it. I thought it was for every reason that you just described. I mm. have exactly the same thoughts. I loved uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown. I absolutely adored Enemy Within when it added in like mech suits and all mm. that kind of goodness. But XCOM 2, the random generation uh, generated maps and the the idea of you being the gorilla group yeah. the, traveling the Works earth to defeat so the well. superpower aliens and... And once again, having your own team of your friends and, and the, the character generator and the customization options are a little bit more refined in this one as well. Uh, it looks better yeah. as well. So you can make them look a, a lot more resembling your friends and family. Do you and- know what, as well, and I, this is true of every game, like, I don't know what it is, but in um, every single, I think I might have discovered either a bug or a special feature in XCOM games because it always seems to generate me a plucky little French girl. Um, who is basically invincible. Like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but if, I have it, gives not, you, no. if it gives you a French girl, because you ought to play on Iron Man, where I, if you play on Iron Man, if they, if your characters die, that's it. They're that's gone. It, yeah. You can't get them back. Um, and so it's kind of heavy. Like, what I always like to do is I am, um, and especially with XCOM 2, if it generates you a character, um, you leave them, you put them in their complete cheese ball state. Because they always, you know, always generate some like clean shaven and you know, looking a little bit dorkish and stuff. And then as time goes on and they become more and more, uh, you become more and more attached to them. You can start like tweaking them and giving them custom um, clothes and colors and hats and all the rest of it. And but you, but you've got to leave that. You, uh, you, as far as I'm concerned, you've got to leave their name and you've got to leave their nationality as is. Um, so. Basically, when XCOM 2, because in both the XCOM run-throughs I did with Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within, um, it always would generate me a support class, little French girl support class. And you, because I speak French, so I always leave um, French, like the languages on where they speak in their natural language. So when she when she says something, she says it in French. Okay. Um, and I've, always, I've also got this thing as well, which is, um, so I can see what class people are nice and easily. I always have my medics in red and, you know, I tend to have snipers in black and I have... I do that uh, as well. <laughs> I, co- I color-code co- 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 my squad too. <laughs> I see all these pictures on Twitter of people like matching uniforms. I'm like, no, God, no. Sniper's got to be like black and and yeah, my yeah. assault class has to be like green and my medic has to be orange. So I know which one is which. Which one's which. And so like, so it always gives you like a little French girl... Um, and I don't know what it is, whether it's the way I play, if I've got a French girl on my team now or what, but she always survives. She's basically invincible. Like if there's a <laughs> chance that 
there's a if there's like a sort of 99% chance she'll get hit she won't get hit <laughs> it's like it's just we it's should just we should ask Jake job. Solomon we should, we should ask him on Twitter Jake is there, did you make a plucky there, little French girl <laughs> there, yeah just especially Dan no, uh, so yeah, it's, but it's one of those things where if she ever died you know genuinely gutting when when you when one of your characters who's a ranked up and is really really good which is a part of it but just because you get used to having them there and you like yeah. having them in your rotor and you feel um, safe you know, when they're there you when, feel you know, like when you they can come, get through. when they come back off being poorly because they got acid spat on them or whatever <laughs> and it's like, oh, brilliant they're back in they're back on yeah let's, let's get them back into rotation and and you know on the front lines because because they're always good, and you've always and and similarly, you've always got one that no matter how far through the ranks they get. So even when they're at major, they'll be a fuck up. And like like you look at them and go, "You were a fuck up when you were a rookie. You're a fuck up now." Because like you, you, when they desperately desperately <laughs> need to get the shot right, you can guarantee they'll fuck it. <laughs> like, and there's always one. There's always one. No matter how it's like, how are you still this bad as a major that you're missing shots this easy but just a just just an amazing game you know what just i'm gonna go superb. i'm gonna have to go and play it now as well that's i was gonna say i was gonna ask that's you, the actually. rest of my day ruined now i'm, I'm now. sorry i'm sorry it's funny before the show started dan dan was like how long is the show i was like usually about two years he's like oh not sure I've got two hours in me. And and now you're going to leave me even sooner just so you can play XCOM 2. <laughs> well, it's been lovely. My other games are... <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I was going to ask you, are, are you going to double dip, as they say, and get uh, one of the newly announced console versions at the end of the year? No, I think uh, I've got a kid now. So like sitting down and playing games is... Um, is a rare luxury okay. at the moment. Yeah. And uh, I think it's kind of, that time is now reserved for games I haven't already played, um, especially with, you know, there's already there's already a backlog of things that I want to get through yeah, and uh, things coming up that I'm looking forward to. So I'm, I'm sort of, I sort of try not to, um, not to play things again, but you know what will happen with XCOM is I'll just boot, uh, as a result of this conversation, I'll boot it up and just play one mission, you know, just to <laughs> remind myself how good it is. And then I'll play through the whole damn game. <laughs> I might wait until, because they they're still doing DLC and expansions and stuff, aren't they? I'll, yeah. I'll wait until there's something really significant. Because I saw they put the rulers thing in, which I wasn't quite enough to justify me playing through the whole thing again. Um, but as soon as there's a, as soon as there's like a little mission pack with a few extra bits and pieces in it, I'm there. Well, they might as well end the show now. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent yeah XCOM 2 is yeah it's so good if you haven't played XCOM 2 as Dan said and for all the reasons Dan just described you really owe it to yourself to check it out even if you don't play strategy RPG games it's just fantastic game design from the actual gameplay to all the admin stuff you do outside of it as well uh, it's superb and what a great start to the episode today so we're going to Move on to the next game now, which almost seems redundant. <laughs> there are but the no next other game. Games. The next X-Com game. Is all. <laughs> yeah. The, well, the next game is. Uh, it's kind of a game you've already sort of hinted at, described at um, as being one of your games that you love. Um, so we're going to listen to some music for the next game, and let's talk about it. 
So Dan, the next game on your list today is the sequel to the incredibly popular first-person shooter, Half-Life. Developed and published by Valve, originally released for the PC on November 16th of 2004, with later releases for the Xbox, the Xbox 360, and PlayStation 3, it took five years to develop and cost Valve an estimated $40 million, which really seems quite cheap for the game that they got out of it. Uh, it's the first game to use the Valve Source engine, uh, and players once again take on the role of the mute scientist Gordon Freeman. It's Half-Life 2. Dan, please tell me why you've chosen Half-Life 2 today. You see, I worry about, I see, I worry that, um, you know, young people, you've seen the young people. I, I yes. You know, you're hanging around <laughs> the street on a playing video games and stuff. I sort of worry that they, you know, it's difficult because you, like, you know, when you watch an old film that was from before you really were alive and it's, and it all just seems so clunky and um, unrefined, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, if you compare, yeah, uh, I don't know, Citizen Kane to, um uh let me think of a really uh, transformers 2 right transformers 2 with its show and its bombast and it's all this glitz and glamour and glory and you sort of look at citizen kane it's just people talking for two hours um i worry that the young people look at half-life 2 and just go like if they were playing it for the first time today would just go what yeah you know it's what I mean? funny actually and, and it's and it's difficult because it did so much new and different at the time it blew everything out of the water for for years for i'd I'd say for like a good decade there was nothing that even came close to what half-life 2 did in so many different ways so obviously i mean it it looked beautiful in the gunplay and the and the environments and the story and everything was was utterly top-notch like completely perfect yeah it was doing stuff they you know valve were doing stuff with um how you guide the player using light and sound and making sure people are looking in the right direction for what was going on, which was just something that didn't really happen. No one had the time or money to do that kind of research that Valve were doing. And it was just um, a completely different thing. It was doing, it was doing physics in a way that we was just unbelievable. Like you couldn't get your head around how this was happening on your computer. And it's only 2004, right? So this isn't, 12 Massively years long ago, ago. Well, but like it's, it's funny it was it was completely different you know yeah the way the characters spoke and interacted with you the way their eyes moved the way they looked at you the acting the whole thing was just on an entirely different level like a completely different experience to every single shooter that had gone before it in in so many ways and i can't express enough what it was like to play through that game for the first time, um, how astonishing it was. Yeah. And I worry that like people who are going to play it today will play it and go, oh yeah, that's that's basically, that's a basic first person shooter without appreciating the, 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 the technological and sophistication leap that it was. Um, it, it is just the most... Uh, astonishingly well-crafted game in terms of, uh, you know, it was one of those things that um, I think was one of the first games that really, and one of the only games still that really understood video games as a means to tell a story and and provide an experience that's not like movies and is not like books. Um, and it's not like a TV series. It's yeah. games and it's its own thing. And it, like what, we, what I was saying about, you know, how Valve were 
attracting your eye using flickering lights or sound effects and all that sort of stuff. And it's everything. It's the way the music works and it's the way the sound effects work and it's the way the graphics work and the controls and everything coming together um, to make something that's not a, just an interactive movie. And it's not just a, a book, you know, that you can play through. It's, it's a video game and it's its own thing. And it's an experience that um, is wholly unique to this medium that we love so much. Um, and I, you know, I, I can't think of any first person shooter really that's done that since that's taken those same, um, I mean, I can't think of many games that have done that since that have brought together all the different elements of what it is to make a game and make something so much bigger than the sum of its parts to make something that's truly a video game experience. Uh, and for that reason, I, I could play it over and over again, uh, quite happily. It's funny because, uh, as you said before, kid, young kids, um, I think something we always fail to think is like everyone goes on about Half-Life 3 and it's still a running joke. And that kind of is dying down a little bit, I think. Yeah. Now, obviously, that was peak internet meme bonanza a couple of years ago. But, you know, the, obviously, this week is E3 week. And, and the more E3s we have and the more years that pass, Half-Life 2 is getting older and older it's 12 years old now and there is this group of twitch watching like main like not mainstream but these gamers who play lots and lots of games and they they get really really good at like first person shooters and all that kind of thing but they won't know what half-life 2 is or they won't have played half-life 2 and when they do they've heard of it yeah gone and and they probably yeah. yeah, and they've probably only heard of it in the context of Half-Life 3. Half-Life 3. <laughs> yeah, so th- there, there is this group of gamers who doesn't quite understand that. The games they're playing now, like Call of Duty or Battlefield or anything like that, the way those games work and the way, the way that those games are popular is part and parcel because of Half-Life 2 and how mm-hmm. important of a game that was not for shooters, but for storytelling and for, you know, physics engines and environmental storytelling and just everything. And it is quite scary almost. And it kind of puts an age on everything. You say environmental storytelling. That's exactly what it is. It's like how, like Half-Life 2 manages to tell a story with like a crumbling building or like with, um, uh, you know, a, a flyby from a, from a ship it's a sort of thing you can sort of do in films but yeah it's doing its whole own thing it's making massive statements with like little bits of detail it's just an incredible way of of um you're, you're playing a, a game with a character that doesn't talk and you're spending especially in half-life 2 you're spending a lot of that time on your own so hmm. the game has to fe- give you feedback and the sounds that happen are important because sound doesn't happen that often. So yeah, you can shoot bullets and all, all that kind of thing. But when uh, like you hear a voice or something triggers, you're like, Oh, what was that? I, I've heard nothing for like five minutes. What was yeah. that? And, and that is all on purpose. And that's what's so smart about Half-Life 2, I think. You know, yeah. It's, but you, I mean, you mentioned Call of Duty and, and, and it's weird how. Few games have aped what Half-Life 2 did. Yeah. Like Bioshock arguably did quite well with it. It sort of picked it up the mantle for like the kind of 
emergent gameplay sort of stuff. Yeah. Pretty well. But like, you know, Call of Duty is a classic example of a game that's, you know, understood the technology and it's understood the science of making a first person shooter, but it hasn't understood the art of doing. And so, um, you know, you get these very, you get these sort of highly bombastic, very um, visceral uh, games that are incredibly boring to play through because it's the same thing all the way through. They're not, they're not paying attention to these rules. It's just like, you know, let's, here's a rock track, here's a massive gun, get on with it. And what Half-Life 2 did was um, it ebbed and flowed in a way that was just Moorish and, and sort of sang, you know, it's sort of Half-Life 2 sings a song that just entices you throughout the, throughout its entire thing. Yeah. Again, through this combination of what, you know, all the different elements coming together at all times to perfection. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, look, you know, okay. Half-Life three is a great big joke, but Half-Life three, the reason Half-Life three is, uh, something that has, is this joke that people are so looking forward to is because Half-Life two did something incredible and it feels like no one's done anything like it since. And so all our hopes and dreams are resting on Half-Life 3 because every single first-person shooter that's come since then has arguably kind of fucked it up by not being as good as Half-Life 2. <laughs> um, so like our last best hope is Half-Life 3. Um, you know, it's, it's funny not, it's, because it's like almost first per- the first-person shooter genre took a split and we had games like Call of Duty and Battlefield that solely focus on the shooting. They focus on what was good about the shooting and they try and... They try and hone exactly what is fun about the shooting gameplay and then forget mm. or drop almost everything else. And then you have the other side of things where you have games like Bioshock or the Metro series, uh, some games like Singularity as well, mm-hmm. that the shooting's maybe a little weak, especially in games like Bioshock. I don't think they're particularly very good. Yeah. Um, but they go the whole hog and they're all about emerging gameplay and story and puzzles and uh, that kind of thing. And they've not quite nailed what half-life 2 did they're yeah. trying to get there but they haven't yeah it's it's a it's a really um weird thing that's happened and I, it's it's a it's a massive shame but it's you know maybe i'm over egging how good half-life 2 is maybe but well you know but I, I you know i replayed it a couple of years ago because i replayed the whole thing i was so convinced they were going to announce half-life 3 I, I was so sure it was imminent that i played through the whole series again um <laughs> You know, how <laughs> sounds was, like such a fruitless effort. <laughs> probably about it was probably about six years ago as well now. Um, but but you know, it was still it was it's still un, untouched as far. I mean, I play a lot of first person shooters. As I said, that was that was my bread and butter when I was a youngster. Yeah. I was, you know, how I in my you know where I cut my teeth in games was always with these action kind of games. And uh, uh, so I, I play pretty much every first person shooter going and, and nothing, nothing comes. It's, it's, nothing. Well, it's weird that you say that because I was just going to say, are you naturally just disappointed then by the shooters you play? <laughs> right. Because yeah. I, I would have kind of given you know, up on the genre. <laughs> like, you know what? The only other first person game I think, uh, I've really enjoyed as much as Half-Life 2 since Half-Life 2 is probably Portal 2. Uh, you know, all right, Portal and Portal 2. Um, yeah. Which you know, Portal Two, or right, hasn't got any, hasn't really got any guns in it, but does astonish. You know, and I don't think Half Life Three needs guns because Portal Two was so good without them that I, you know, the gunplay is almost like a, the shooter stuff is secondary to 
you know, this sort of emergent um, emergent warfare was what you know what Half Life Two did well, which arguably you need guns for, but all the same. Um, Portal Two, Portal Two was the only other first person game I think I've enjoyed, but it does exactly the same sort of stuff, you know, um, you know, guiding your eye beautifully, hilarious script, beautifully acted, incredible attention to detail, you know, brilliant music cues and and audio and sound, uh, all the rest of it. It's they're on another level of Valve. You know, Valve and Valve's first person games are kind of akin to Naughty Dog's third person in that they're doing stuff that no one else seems to have the I, I guess finances and time. Yeah. <laughs> to and even time even, is <laughs> something I Valve are. I guess it's a massive part of it. But you know, it's yeah. a it's a Yeah, it's a it's a shame that, that, you know, as a gamer that that there aren't new Half Life Two quality first person shooters coming out all the time. But there you have it. It's a, I guess that's a um something only only Valve have the cash and time to do and they are taking so, their time with so you are actually the only the you are the second person to have chosen Half Life Two for uh, this list. Uh, the other being Danny O'Dwyer from Gamespot. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, who's also a, a huge uh, FPS lover, uh, much like yourself. Um, and the question I asked him, and I think it's very important when we talk about Half Life, is: Do we really think Half Life Three will ever actually be something? And do we actually want it to be? First of all, they are not leaving that cliffhanger. <laughs> I would go around their house and demand answers before I let that go. Um, That's fair enough. Turn up in Seattle and corner them with my dying breath and find out what happened. Uh, you know, I think who knows what's going on at Valve? Um, no one. I think I think they're probably play, playing it smart, but I, I think it's now got to the point where I think for the last few years, it feels like they should have said something um, about what's going on with Half-Life 3. And um, obviously it's a big running joke and obviously they can't say anything without being a massive hoo-ha. But I think basically Gabe Newell needs to stand up and say, look, we are working on it. It's we've We've had to start over three or four times because it wasn't good enough. This version's pretty good, but it'll be another five years at least. You know, it is all I think it needs. Yeah. Um, Did you watch that video? Maybe that's not working in their favor. Maybe, you know, the fact that this Ferrara exists is much better for them than people knowing. I don't know. But yeah, um, I think I think it will happen. And I think um, I think it will be a fine game and I think they'll do an incredible job with it. And I, I, you know, but I can't imagine them just putting out a straight first person shooter. I think it will have to be the same evolutionary leap that Half-Life 2 was over Half-Life. And I think that is not uh, a small undertaking. No. Even with the billions and billions of pounds that Steam and Valve obviously have at their disposal. I think it's even uh, harder in today's market as well, considering the games that are being released now, like Uncharted 4, it's very hard to... Obviously, we have VR, but it's very hard to, I don't know, but progress like, this current generation. Half-Life 3 has this, has this extra hurdle that even Uncharted 4 doesn't have, right? Which is that it can't be anything less than perfection. Otherwise, everyone's just going to go... Yeah. Like, like, like a sort of... 
like a sort of disappointing party balloon. Um, it's it's it has got to be so good, and um, that's obviously that's the cross they've got to bear. That's their you know of their own building. They're, this is entirely <laughs> their own problem. They'd have you know they could have bashed out another ninety one percent episode three that would have done very well. Thank you very much. Wrapped everything up and they would sit on it. But that time has passed. <laughs> yeah. And and the nation expects so much more of them now. Yeah. So I think I think it'll happen, but I you know, it's it's uh it's um it's gotta be killing the people who are working on it. Yeah. Um, to, to even know that and not be able to tell people. Yes. This well it's funny actually, just quickly before we move on, um Going back to Gabe Newell actually saying something, I don't know if you watched because uh, recently was the tenth uh, sort of anniversary from when Gabe Newell officially publicly oh, yeah, said. Did, yeah. did you watch that video of his of his answers of when being no. asked, and as they progressively got towards 2016, and <laughs> so he starts out and he's very much like, "Yeah, Half Life Three is in development, or Half Life Episode Three is in development," and. Um, uh, you know it's coming along fine we're working very hard by the on end, it. And, massively vague <laughs> and by the end it's like uh when i have something to say about half-life 3 uh, i'll say it <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> and it's just this complete it, like nosedive of comments <laughs> from uh gabe himself and uh, i thought it was uh, quite funny <laughs> funny really um but yeah at the end of the day i think the internet culture of Half-Life 2 and Half-Life 3 have probably done more good than they have for bad for Valve uh, and created this stigma around the company that, you know, gives them some kind of invulnerability when it comes to some things. Um, For all the problems that Steam has, Steam Greenlight and all that kind of trash that gets on there, uh, Valve can do no wrong in some people's eyes. So... We'll have to wait and well, see. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Proof is in the pudding. So we're going to move on to your next game now, uh, which is the oldest game on your list. No. Is the, uh, yeah, it is. It's the oldest game on the list. And it's not even that old, really. Um, so let's listen to some excellent music and talk about it. So Dan, just before we move into your third game today, uh, we have the deserted island question. The part of the show where we talk about where you actually are. So, as I've said before, we don't want you to be uncomfortable. You know, you're trapped there, but we want you to be able to play the games. 
We don't want you to be having to fight for survival too much. Um, so we allow you to choose where you would like to be deserted. It has to be oh. somewhere from gaming. Oh, um, okay. And if you choose somewhere that maybe has monsters, the monsters will be there. But if you choose somewhere that has like human characters or human level NPCs, they won't be there. So you can't interact with humans or try and escape in any way. So what, right. what do you, what do you, what comes to your head mm. when you think of something like this? In the past, we've had, uh, like, I'm basically trying to think of how I cheat the system to land every, somewhere. Everyone does that. <laughs> um, so we had recently, uh, Nathan Dayton from PlayStation Access. He chose the uh, town of Yorton from, uh, everybody's gone to Rapture. Which is lovely right. English countryside. That's kind of That's cheating, cheating the system. system. That's kind of cheating the system. And we had Alex Olney from Nintendo Life. He chose Outside Island from Wind Waker, which is very beautiful. Uh, we had Andy Kelly from PC Gamer. Andy, of course, chose the Nostromo <laughs> from Alien Isolation. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yep. And listeners of the show will know we've had stuff like the uh, Island from The Witness. Um, we had William Pugh, the designer of the Stanley Parable last week, and he chose, uh, the upcoming universe of No Man's Sky. I see. Clever. Yeah. That is cheating the system. But you know what? The first thing that, um, the first thing that really springs to mind actually was, um, you know, one of the, one of the tropical, um, locations from somewhere like Uncharted 2, where there was like a... There was a bar and some ruins. I was, I'm always a big fan of, um, I think one of the reasons we'll talk about Uncharted later, but one of the reasons I was a big fan of the Uncharted things was I had this, I had this thing for a long time. It's, it's sort of waned now, but, um, I would read worthy books during the year, you know, things that I found intellectually stimulating and, um, wholesome and, you know, uh, and challenging and all the rest of it. And then as soon as summer kicks in, as far as I'm concerned, every book that I need to read over the summer needs to be um, ideally have uh, someone finding an old map to some gold and ideally a Nazi and a jungle. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm in pig's heaven. Like, and I just and like any book like that, that um, has that sort of adventure, Indiana Jones, Nathan Drakey kind of thing, I find really um uh, you know, sitting in the sun reading books like that is great. So, like one, I think like one of the nice tropical locations from Uncharted Two, with some ruins to explore and a beach, and um, you know, probably set just after when all the mercenaries have gone home, <laughs> after all the after all the plundering's been done, and no one there's no one there anymore. You... I'm I, I'm sure there's a bit in Uncharted Two where he's sitting there with a beer, so that must be the where maybe, is it? Yeah. Where is it when? At the beginning, I think it's the begin. Well, not the not the very beginning of Uncharted Two, where he's obviously the train level, but when he's talking with yeah, Chloe yeah, yeah. and the other guy I who betrays him, I think that's where I'm thinking of. Yeah, there was that, that very like beautiful beach bar where they're discussing the no treasure. mercenaries, um, and there's bound to be something around the corner. There's got to be like a market around the corner to buy an old map offer. Of a dust that's why I'm thinking that. My only other thought was the maybe the cake level from Robocod because that would be quite. Remember when yeah, it, there's that, a level that, would be okay. that had like a like a, inside a massive cake, but I think that might just actually be quite detrimental. If I'm being deadly serious about the whole deserted place, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a tropical place with um with ruins for me. That that's a good choice. That's a good choice. You can just spend your days getting some suntan, eat, drinking some coconut milk, and playing yeah, uh, this yeah, next yeah. game. You can play this next game as well. Um, 
The next game is developed by Sega Sonic Team and released for the Sega Mega Drive, Genesis, if you're in America, uh, on no in November of 1992. It's the sequel to the commercially successful Sonic the Hedgehog, and it sold over 6 million copies itself and received extremely high reviews on release and is one of the golden era of the series. You've chosen Sonic 2. Sonic 2 over Sonic 1 as well. Yeah. I- I deleted the two a couple of times and then put it back and then deleted it and put it back. <laughs> I think I think Sonic like Sonic has um uh I have very fond memories of Sonic. I don't I don't think there's a massive amount of point in banging on about Sonic too much because I think uh we all know why it was good. The 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 Sonic um the imagery of Sonic with you know the that classic Mega Drive box Sonic still sends shivers down my spine. That that visual image and uh so November 1992, so Christmas 1992, uh, 12-year-old Dan Marshall sitting on the floor at his grandmother's house playing <laughs> Sonic 2, I think was, you know, just one of the happiest I've ever been. I I, it's, uh, I have extraordinarily fond memories of it um, for years because it was one of those games that you could keep going back to and uh, and doing better and better. Obviously, no saving in the, in the yeah. bad old days. So you'd start over from the start every single time. Um, and I think Sonic... Sonic 2 is one of the, you know, is probably, I've played a lot of Sonic games. I think it's probably the last the last good Sonic game I think they made, which is quite, probably quite contentious. But um, it's very strange to say that on their second ever try. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I, I think, it, I think it eclipses um, Sonic in a lot of ways in terms of the level design and the, and the quality of controls and, you know, fixes a lot of problems Sonic has. I, you know, I, I've, I've always had this maintained that, Making a Sonic the Hedgehog game is exceptionally easy, but they keep on messing it up, and that they that they believe their own marketing, Sega, and they think that Sonic the Hedgehog is about speed, um, and Sonic wasn't about speed. Sonic was about momentum and physics, uh, and it was about building up speed in order to overcome problems, certainly, but it wasn't the be all and end all of it. You know, you, you, some of the levels in Sonic are just incredibly slow. Um, you know, it was about, it was about building up enough speed to make the little nut things go up and down. It was about building up enough speed to get out of a U bend. It was about, um, you know, blasting through walls and all that sort of thing. And I think you could make an incredibly good Sonic the Hedgehog game, uh, in this day and age with some, you know, you could make some amazing, 2D cartoony graphics with the physics we've got today, you know, um, Dr. Robotnik's giant ball on a chain sort of smashing down and breaking the um, ground and all this sort of stuff. You could do some incredible, incredible things with it. Um, But instead they just keep on making games where they think it's about going fast. Um, And they think that Sonic's, you know, cool attitude, which was basically this sort of, uh, to my mind in Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 was this sort of stern, steadfast anger that he had at, at what was happening. They seemed to think it was much more a sort of wisecracking asshole. It's weird um, because the wisecracking asshole came from the cartoon. It never really happened in the game. Sonic couldn't say No, exactly. It. But I and think the- I think that's what they thought he was. In the you know, he's got that sort of raised eye, sort of yeah. waggly finger, okay. you know, like that sort of thing. But I, you know, if you look at him, he's you look at him when he's standing there. He's got this, he, you know, shoulders back. He's he's determined and he's steadfast. And that was that was how I always identified him. He was he was um, he was cool not because he was sassy. He was cool because he was silent and he was determined. And um, 
uh, unhappy with the situation as he saw it, you know, with the with all the cute <laughs> animals getting taking them turned into robots. But um, it's uh, you know it's one of those games that is um, probably not worth talking about very much because I think we all know it. But it's it's fast in a good way. It's um, happy. The levels are beautifully designed. They do a lot of interesting things. Um, it far, far, far eclipses, to my mind, anything Mario has ever done in terms of the quality of the platforming and the quality um, of the game. It was just an amazing time to be alive. And, it, you know, I can still remember pouring over a single screenshot. I remember when you used to go and get a magazine. I can remember getting a magazine which had a blurry photo of Sonic 2 in the run-up to Sonic Tuesday. You know, a couple of months before, because that was, <laughs> you know, it was still secret back then. Uh, and I can remember just looking at it, just thinking that game is everything. That game is beautiful. It does so, you know, you could see it does so much well. And then when it finally came out and, you know, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, sat on the floor in just absolute wonder. And, um, you know, I still play it to this day. I, you know, I've still got the Mega Drive Um here uh for specifically for because the mega drive controller is the best controller for things like that uh it is still exceptionally playable it's it it is you know you know like you know if you go back and play quake or you go back and play doom or you go back and play i don't know pretty much any game from the 90s it sort of feels a little bit difficult because it's all a bit slippy slidey or it's a bit difficult to control a bit clunky and then you've ever played like eco or shadow of the colossus recently they're quite hard work um sonic doesn't age in that in it that really way. doesn't it that, feels it feels as tight to control now as it did in in the back in the day and um it is a remarkable remarkable achievement for all of sonic's recent foibles and uh obviously misses going back and playing the old games there's something strangely uh weird about them in that your muscle memory is just always there <laughs> like it's the yeah. same with mario games as well it's the same with mario games for me um you just pick up a control and you just know what to do and that is a testament to how that game those games worked and how good they were at teaching the player what to do without text boxes or explaining or having yeah. a tutorial and yeah. any of that kind of thing the muscle memory just instantly comes back and the game and what's amazing about these old, uh, older games, uh, older platforming games, is that they just respond instantaneously. Like Sonic mm. goes fast, and all he loops through things, and all these things happen, and then just everything happens instantaneously. And that's kind of weird because now we have Sonic Sonic games that take so long to start, or mm. there's like a cutscene before something happens, or Sonic has to talk to Tails or Knuckles, and yeah. It's it's weird. It's, it's massive shame. It's, uh, you know, it's, when you think of it like this, you know, 1992 being the last Sonic game I actually enjoyed. It's a wonder I have any love for the franchise whatsoever. You know, I, played, <laughs> you know, I did play Sonic 3, which I thought was a misstep. And I think um, Sonic and Knuckles as well was didn't understand what made Sonic and Sonic 2 so good. And I think the, the slippery slope started then. If you played... Um, what was the supersonic one called? What was the um, CD? Say Sonic CD uh, one. Sonic CD, yeah, for the Sega CD. Sonic CD. 
Um, I didn't play that until it came out. I think it came out on PSN or something a couple of years ago. So I obviously, obviously couldn't afford a Sonic a Sega CD back when I was a kid. So, <laughs> um, I didn't play until then. And, you know, I was, I, I was kind of hopeful, but the design, the level design is all over the place in that game. It's messy. It's confusing. You can't see where you're going. You can't see where you're supposed to go. And, um, it's all kind of horrible. And then obviously it went into 3D and we had could, Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure uh, 2. Sonic which- Adventure was- dreadful which Sonic, a lot of people you know, for some reason think is good um right. those people you, should you definitely know, you, go back and play those games they are not very really, good you know do you know what the, what sums up um the disappointment of 3d sonic games more than anything is the fact that like when you run past a collection of rings and you can't go back and get them and like Sonic was always the ability to go back and try again. You know, if you if you see a great lo- load of rings, and you you mess up and you only collect one of them, you turn around and you go and get them back, and you go back and get them, and it had that, you know. And it's a it's a stupid little thing, but the fact that for the completionist idiot that you've messed up and you've run past them, and it makes them feel trivial in a way, you know, because the rings thing in Sonic is a genius bit of game design. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely brilliant, and quite how they haven't had someone in the same way. I think the problem the problem is is this, I think the Sonic the Hedgehog games actually sell very, very well. And they're not making Sonic the Hedgehog games for you and me. They're making Sonic the Hedgehog games for sort of ten year olds um who don't really care that much about what's going on. Uh <laughs> uh so you know it's a they're they're basically a constant dis- constant disappointment. I, I played um played generations sonic generations which had so much potential and they messed it up um obviously the obviously the 3d levels were really boring the 2d levels there were like two of them i think that did really well they did a they did a green hill which was which was obviously lovely and they did one other i can't remember which one it was but was was very good and apart from that they were all disappointing sonic episode four sorry uh sonic four episode one and two if you remember they did like yeah a, the uh another the 2D and they, only ones yeah. they messed up the physics and sonic was like a i think it was 3d generated yeah, those games so didn't review very well at all did they yeah it looked kind of hideous he was the the physics were all over the place didn't like didn't he didn't feel right he didn't look right and the level design was kind of boring which was a which was a massive shame because that could have been it that could have they could have done that and fixed it and and done a good job but they they didn't and it was a great idea to call it sonic 4 as well and just go back to um numbered games <laughs> well yeah but it's sort of, you know feel like a to feel like a sequel to sonic and knuckles or to feel like a sequel to sonic 3 basically uh, so yeah, it's a constant disappointment, but that's not what, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the fact that Sonic 2 is, is a beautiful and clever game and I would play it forever on an island. Or a, well, an island with ruins on and yeah, when I'm, when I'm beach. back from, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sonic 2, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an error in gaming where, Everything was okay. <laughs> it didn't seem it, like the yeah. stuff we have now. It seems compl- entirely different, but that's one of the wonderful things of hindsight and nostalgia does. So <laughs> I think it's not even that. It's not even that because I'm still playing it. You know, I probably played yeah. Sonic yeah. um, uh, at most like two years ago. And okay. It's still, okay, it's still brilliant. Um, it's still incredible. So um, it's not even a nostalgia thing. It's just a timeless bit of game design, which is why it's on my list. Excellent. 
Well, we're going to move into your next game, which is a game I've spoken about quite a lot on this show. And I actually spent three years of my life working on it. So let's move into the next game, listen to some excellent music, and let's talk about it. game on the list that's going with you to the wonderful tropical islands of uncharted 2 uh mr dan is the open world action-based juggernaut developed by rockstar games released originally for the playstation 3 and xbox 360 in september of 2013 uh it followed later with playstation 4 and xbox one ports in 2014 and a pc version that came later it's the first in the series to feature multiple protagonists and it reviewed incredibly well and for everyone who knows it's the, uh, one of the highest-selling video games of all time and one of the biggest and fastest-selling pieces of media ever. It's Grand Theft Auto V. Dan, please tell me why you're taking Grand Theft Auto V with you. Uh, I, well, obviously, uh, I bought it and played it and enjoyed it, and it is clearly brilliant. I think GTA V is one of those games that um, is probably on my list mainly to cheat your system in that it's colossal <laughs> and uh, infinite okay. and and all the rest of it. I was a big fan of uh, GTA. I played GTA. Uh, I was uh, 16 years old when Grand Theft Auto came out and I lied to the man in the shop and because it was an 18 certificate and I, I bought into the, you know, the rumors that it was going to get pulled off the shelves. I believed that wholeheartedly. So I went in and bought my copy before they could, before the man could take it before away. Before the me. man could take your games away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was a beautiful, incredible thing. I remember the first time, um, I remember GTA the first time uh, in the original that, um, you know, the cops turned up and got out and I got into their car and drove away in it. And it was just a mind blowing experience that I'd like, you know, I just assumed that that wouldn't be possible. <laughs> I, I don't know why, but it just felt like, oh, you won't be able to get into the police cars. You can get into the police cars. <laughs> I am this, the police now. This changes everything. <laughs> uh, and then GTA 3 was... Um, was equally magnificent. I didn't play GTA 2 because that reviewed kind of poorly and, um, I don't know, passed me by for some reason. Was that GTA London? 3. Was that London? No, no, no. That was, no, that was, um, the expansion to GTA was the 1969 London, which I didn't play that uh, either. Okay. Okay. Um, cause I was obviously too poor at the time, but, uh, GTA 2 <laughs> was set in the future. It was like a gang war thing, uh, which had, yeah, it passed me by. GTA 3 was, was beautiful, but it was Vice City that I really fell in love with. Uh, Vice City had this amazing soundtrack. Um, just worked so well on so many levels. Just incredible game. Uh, San Andreas, I didn't get on with massively. I thought like quite a lot of it felt like a bit of a slog. The 
going to the gym and the eating and the fat and the and the and the you know the RPG stuff was I you know I remember swimming for ages because I needed to get my swimming stat up enough for some reason you know grinding <laughs> didn't really work and then the sort of you know um, you know it was it was weird but like I don't know what what year um, San Andreas was but I'd I'd never seen the films that you know the the sort of um, the films that it was riffing off, the sort of oh, 1992 like, uh, LA Boys things like that, I think, wasn't really something I had any experience with. So I sort of, I think I was missing quite a lot of the jokes and quite a lot of the. Uh, okay. The San Andreas, stuff. So, San Andreas so for of, me is uh, just uh, quickly to divulge on the San Andreas a little bit. Um, San Andreas for me is one of the GTAs I hold quite highly because I, I'm not the biggest fan of the series, really, although. Um, I actually worked on GTA 5 and I actually for a long time spent uh, six months testing GTA San Andreas for mobiles and for oh Windows phones. <laughs> so I got so good at that game, so <laughs> incredibly good that I could cheat all the getting fat, getting strong, getting all the swimming, yeah, yeah, going yeah. to the best spots and that kind of thing. And um now I kind of just look back on it in fondness for all those little yeah. strange things I that think, it had about it. I think one of the, as well, I think the thing that um, the, the San Andreas that didn't work for me as well, is by the time it came out, the engine was feeling like they were doing more with the engine than it could cope with. And you could sort of tell it's, it was feeling a little bit clunky, especially next to some of the other stuff that was coming out at the time. It felt like the engine felt a little bit unrefined, you know, like the, you know, trying trying to find cover and shoot around it and stuff just you know was a little bit awkward. Okay, uh, but but so that was probably my least favorite of the three. I, I remember going back to it actually and, and playing it and really enjoying it um, the second time through. Once I knew what it was, as is often the case with these things, when you watch something, watch watch a film you're worried about liking for the first for the second time, and you actually really enjoy it much more once you know what they're doing with it. Man of um, Steel that happened to me. Hated it first time. Really, really enjoyed it second uh, time. Mine was the first time I really experienced it was um, I remember going to see Shaun of the Dead, okay, <laughs> like and, and, and enjoying it, but not really knowing what it was going to be and um, thinking it was going to be spaced and it wasn't spaced. No. It was its own yeah. thing. Yeah. And I remember coming out feeling slightly disappointed by it, and it was all right. I enjoyed that. That was good. That was fine. But and then watching it a second time, and once you know what they're doing, it and you're freed of the um, sort of misery of worrying that it's you're not going to enjoy it and what they're going to do and what they're going to break and all that sort of stuff i sure that is obviously is now in my top sort of three favorite films but, <laughs> but that's probably. anyway so gta 4 just to continue the theme but like yes. gta 4 came out and i really enjoyed gta 4 um i never completed it because the last mission was a dick um i thought it was a i thought it was a hard work sort of game in in terms of um it was obviously very enjoyable and it did an incredible job but uh the story in it was hard to you know you know like all the journalists obviously went over and played gta 4 and they played gta 4 over the course of three days in a hotel room somewhere right so i bet the plot made quite a lot of sense in gta 4 if you play it in that environment um to someone who plays it over the course of three months because it's a massive game and because um you know i I was working quite hard at the time yeah you know i was playing it on weekends so you know 
in short bursts. The plot is just incomprehensible in GTA 4. <laughs> it, like, they'll bring characters in and expect you to remember who they were. Because as far as the, you know, the dev team's concerned, they've only had like seven cutscenes in between that character last appearing and this one. But for me, yeah. that was like two months. And I can't remember who they were. And they don't reintroduce <laughs> them. And so it's really confusing and complicated. We're like, am I supposed to know who this guy was? Was he the guy that died? What? Who is he? To be fair, you know, I don't so- think Grand Theft Auto 4 had very memorable characters anyway. Like, well, even no, thinking exactly. back, I don't but- think characters was that game's strong point by any no. means. But it was very bleak and it had this bleakness, which I don't mind. I wouldn't have minded the bleakness, but it had it was bleak um, in a dirty and dingy sort of way, which is fine, but it wasn't... Um, what I wanted from it, and it and it sort of if it stuck with just being bleak and having pistols that were really difficult to get hold of, and the occasional shotgun, and God, maybe an a assault rifle if you were lucky, it could have worked really well from a story standpoint. But as it was, they was they were trying to do this really bleak story, but still give you rocket launchers and you know tanks and stuff, and it was just a bit weird. And what GTA Five <laughs> did, which is where we get to GTA Five, which is what it did so incredibly well, was it has a very simple story that um, doesn't overreach itself. And you, can, you know, I played GTA Five in exactly the same way over the course of several months. I could, I could still remember, you know, who all the characters were and what their motivation was and where they'd been and what they'd done and and all the rest of it. So, like, did an incre- did a much better job of being cohesive in that way. It's a lot more fun, you know, the it's brighter, it's more colourful, it's you know, it understands a bit more the fitting of you know how the characters work in that world and yeah. makes a lot more sense. Um and it is just astonishing how packed it is with uh stuff. And the first game since sort of Vice City, I think, that I've really enjoyed just first sorry, the first GTA game since Vice City that I've enjoyed just pottering around. Um Doing setting up my own challenges, you know, trying to get up to places, trying to get jump off things, trying to, you know, what happens if I go up there? What happens if I go down there? Um, all the rest of it. So, uh, all in all, just like it's an incredible world that demands full exploration. And I would love to fully explore GTA 5, but I don't have the time. So, if I'm stuck on a tropical island, it would be one of my first things to sort of. Uh, have a little dig at yeah you're um, going to be able to dig into it all you like i want to get into mount chiliad i really want to know they haven't said anything about do you know about mount chiliad is there a secret you're not allowed to say i'm not i'm not saying anything <laughs> I because like it's one of these things that um i remember playing it and being really interested in it and you know subscribing to the subreddit and then i still check in every once in a while and they still haven't worked out what it is and i i just it's got you know it's, you guys got to be saying there's got to be something to this. And then you... um, Just like any just, game, there's a lot of things in there and there's a lot of things yeah, that yeah, yeah. that would fuel I, fan theories like to, for like years and years the, to come. I'd love to start the game and just drive immediately to Mount Chiliad. Cause I bet if you get to Mount Chiliad within the first 20 minutes of playing, starting the game, there's a big door. <laughs> or like something. <laughs> that is some way in. I don't. Uh, so I don't think that's anything I ever really tried. Um, I'd love to solve that and work out what the hell was going on with Mount Chiliad. And you know, it's just you. It's one of those games that you could just um, lose yourself in for weeks and months on end and still not see everything. And it's and, you know, it's, it's weird. It's one of those. It's one of those things where you 
You know, like in games when you can sit down on a bench and you sort of think, why the hell would I sit down on a bench? That's a waste of time. <laughs> like, you know, like in Assassin's Creed, let's just sit down on a bench. But like, you can't, or like, no, because that's, that's sort of function. You know, like you sit down in games, yeah. like uh, Skyrim or whatever, you can sit down. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm just sitting down. But GTA is one of those very few games where I do genuinely feel like you could just pull up and watch the sun go down. Um, it's, it's, it's... And they've always, they've always had that. But, it's really um, funny you say that because... When I first arrived at Rockstar and I was working on GTA 5, I was doing like art sweeps mm. of the map. And um, I was tasked with, you know, looking for art bugs and that kind of thing, um, looking for any inconsistencies in the map. And then one of my favorite things to do, um, well, not favorite, was to look for like floating objects, obviously floating trees and that kind of thing. But that gave me the excuse to just go roam around in the forests and just kind of like go yeah. into the forest and just wait. And just watch the sun go past and all that kind of things in Blaine County and just sort of sit there listening to podcasts, wasting time. Uh, yeah, 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 what's yeah, a wasting lovely. valuable dev time. Um, but yeah, it's because that, it, it, that game has many spots in it that affords that kind of tranquility that only some video game worlds can really offer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, I, I don't know. It's, there's not much to say about this one either in a lot of, t- in a lot of ways. It's just, um, it Cheating holds together system. very well. It's, <laughs> it's, no, 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 but yeah, it is, it is, but it's, it, you know, let's, it's, that, I think that just does it, doesn't do it justice in the, like, isn't it? It's incredible how it's a great big open world, but the, sh- the shooter mechanics, the cover system is so well implemented. Like it's, you know, it's, if you look at something like Uncharted 2 or Uncharted 3 or 4, where that's all they have to do is they've got a they've got a corridor to make good shoot and cover out of. And GTA 5 manages it in an open world with all the other stuff that's going on, like cars and trains and airplanes. Yeah. And all the rest of it. That's an astonishing achievement and um and well done then. Well, I think all my wonderful ex-colleagues who actually still listen to this show will be uh, glowing. If you're, lis- it- if you're listening, I won't tell anyone about the Mount Chiliad thing. <laughs> don't you can tell email him. me. Guys, you can don't, call me don't tell anytime. him. <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Still, still, it's it still... For a long time, I was very burnt out on GTA. Obviously, that's what happens when you work in game development and... Um, yeah. Oh, well. But now being able to talk about it, uh, being free of the shackles of being responsible for it, it's nice uh, to be able to talk about something I'm so incredibly knowledgeable about, <laughs> something <laughs> I had to spend a long time learning about. So it's very lovely to hear your thoughts on it, Dan, and I hope you enjoy it on your island. So we're going to move on to the next game now, um, which is sort of... An odd pick in these sort of games that you've chosen, these these genre-defining or age-defining titles that you've chosen so far, these powerhouses of the gaming industry. Um, we're scaling it back a little bit, but uh, still a very big game for the console it was on. So let's listen to some excellent music and dive straight into it.
next game you've chosen for your list today, Daniel, is a puzzle-based light and sound game that uh, originally released for the PSP in December of 2004, developed by Q Entertainment uh, with the mastermind behind Rez, uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi. It received a re-release for the PlayStation 2, PC, and Xbox Live Arcade a little later. It received excellent reviews on release, and it's luminous for the PlayStation Portable. Dan, please tell me why you're taking this. Well, I was thinking, again, it was probably started with me trying to cheat the rules, and I was thinking about Tetris, and uh, actually Tetris I find quite boring. Uh, you, you know, obviously I've played it to death over the years. Uh, and then and then I suddenly remembered Lumines, which uh, was just incredibly... Um, you know, I bought, this, I bought this PSP, and there wasn't much on it. And Lumines was the sort of game that sort of shipped with it i think it was all you know they're sort of freebie or very cheap at the time or whatever. yeah you had like loco roco uh yeah, yeah. um i forget what else i think it was some sports games as well nothing really big yeah. oh there's a burnout game wasn't there they did a burnout game they were big oh yeah really and big. it had that wicked local play feature where you could yeah. have two player that was really good actually um and luminous is one of those games that um i think is better than tetris i think it Again, it's infinitely replayable, um, which massively helps. It's one of those games that you will play once you get into it and you play it so much that when you go to bed at night and close your eyes, you can see the falling bricks. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> uh, which, which is always terrifying. Like, you know, when, you know you've been, when you've been playing GTA too long and you pull into a like in real life you you go to the cinema or whatever and you pull into the um you pull into the car park and your brain you get out of the car and your brain just immediately picks which car you'd steal <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so, I like there's a nice little like uh like racy sports car over there i'd have that one and you think what am i doing I'm not, I'm <laughs> for not a long criminal. time for a long time uh, when i was playing hearthstone i had a sort of game in my own head where i would pick like random household objects and give them (laughs) rules for a Hearthstone, depending (laughs) on what they look like or how powerful I imagine they would be if they were cards. That went, that went on for like three months. (laughs) Um, So yeah, but Luminous is, um, you know, a very simple game, but incredibly addictive and um, really well put together. Really, um, you know, the, the, I don't know. I, I can't describe it. It's got that, it's got that beat, it's got that rhythm, and it's got that sense of um, OCD completionist about it where clearing all the blocks is so incredibly satisfying. And then it'll throw a level at you where, you know, it's got, again, it's got this great flow where it'll throw a level at you that is just really difficult to do and the blocks are falling too fast and the level builds up and up and up and then it'll change and it'll change something really sedate and you've got an opportunity to clear it out and down and uh and you just as you get down to the bottom and everything starts to look pretty good things pick up pace again and it's it does incredible things going with this nice back and forth and um it's one of those things you quite happily sit and relax uh on a beach and play forever i think um it's it's like tetris but better (laughs) that's that is quite the challenge between those two. <laughs> We've had Tetris a lot on this show and people go on about it being the greatest puzzle game of all time, the most replayable game of all time. Um, yeah, but it's quite boring, isn't it? 
it go, I don't know what it is. It's there's something about Tetris that you think, oh, I'd have a game of Tetris, and you play it, and like three minutes in, you go, yeah, I've done this. It's definitely one of done those games before. for me where I'll play maybe like one or two games, and I'm like that's enough for now. Yeah, I'm not someone who can play Tetris. For hours on end, there are people like that. And there seems to be a lot of people like, oh, once I start playing Tetris, I don't stop for a few hours. But mm. not for me. And uh, I have I owned Lumines, but I never actually played it. Really? You yeah. missed out? I had, like a, I had like quite a big PSP collection at the time. When I was in college, this was 2006. So I couldn't afford a Zune or, an, or one of the new iPods. <laughs> so I listened to all my music and I watched TV on my PSP. My PSP was literally wow. my best friend because I had a two-hour bus journey to college. So... See, Luminous would have been perfect. I know. I used, now I was thinking about it. it and it's, I could see like how it was a difficult one to pick up. Like you know, when you've got the you know the PSP was was an incredible bit of kit, um, and it had all this stuff like Burnout and like Pursuit Force, where you're jumping from car to car. Yeah, and it had you know like Loco Roco, which was an incredible game. I love um, Loco Roco. Someone needs to choose that. <laughs> so I can see like Luminous is like a hard sell, um, but such a shame you never played it because it really was. I mean, and then they've done other versions of it, right? For PlayStation 4 but it's it's I wouldn't dream of playing it on a console it's a handheld it just game fits on the handheld like Tetris, yeah you know you want to yeah. you want you need that um immediacy of having it between your fingers um it works really well in that in in specifically that environment I've tried playing it on on um on the PS4 or PS3 or whatever it was before and doesn't really work quite as well and obviously they you know, Luminous is one of those games where you can't just like you can't just make a Tetris two, because if you change anything, people just complain this change. Yeah. You can't release the same game again. So I think they had like a lot of problems with Luminous, like how you do other ones out of it, just um, changing the rules too much and and not enough and more levels and all the rest of it. And there's and it, uh, they've all sort of killed the simplicity, the beauty of the first one, which is just yeah really easy to understand, but. Um, I actually, I actually remember the horrible reason as to why I owned it but never played it. I bought it at the time when there was an exploit in it for the firmware that had just been released on the PSP, <laughs> and you could you could use Luminous to exploit the I think it was the three point five firmware, and then you could install your own custom firmware. And what a waste! What a waste! I know. You could have spent, spent your two hours on the bus. You'd have looked down. <laughs> you'd have looked up at there. I was like, yeah. So I, you know, I did the same. I, you know, I used to. Well, I don't think I did a lot of commuting at the time, but I used to. Um, I was living in London, and my girlfriend at the time was uh, quite a long train ride away, and Luminous got me through that. That's lovely. Um, I love hearing you know, stories about the PSP. Well, I tell you what, the, the the best way I can sum up Luminous as a like a why it's an essential, an essential purchase or essential play is it's one of those games where um, your train gets to the gets to your stop, and you get off the train and immediately sit on the bench on the platform <laughs> and finish what you're doing, yeah. rather than <laughs> walking to your destination. It's more important that you continue the game, and that 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 to me is. Uh, sums up exactly you know why it's a must buy uh you know it's like you know when you see people getting off the train and immediately sitting down to finish their book it's exactly that it's exactly that it's it's too it's unput downable when it when it gets going excellent excellent well maybe 
maybe one day I'll find my copy, uh, my box I like PSP the, collection. It's got, a, it's got a Vita. I think the Vita version is quite good. I need to look into it. But I think oh, is it on the like uh, quite... on the store for the PSP? Yeah, and I think they've done quite a good job with it as well. Oh, excellent! So I'll have a look I at that. Check it out then. Well, you can't really go wrong with a Mizuguchi game anyway, so it's totally worth it. But we're going to move on to your next game now, anyway. And we're going to the other spectrum of gaming, and we're going from light and sound puzzles to punching criminals in the face. So we're going to listen to some music from the next game and talk about it. next game on your list dan is a rock steady title and it's the second game to feature the dark knight himself originally released on october 18th 2011 it was developed for the playstation 3 xbox 360 and pc it later received an enhanced version for the wii u as well players take on the role of the greatest detective ever batman as he takes on villains and nasties of the newly created arkham city it sold over 6 million copies, with 4.3 million of those coming in its first week of sales. It received exceptionally good reviews, and is regarded in the best as the best in the series by many. It's Batman Arkham City. Dan, please tell me why you're taking Arkham City with you. See, this is like a similar thing to the Sonic, and do I do Sonic 1 or Sonic 2? And I, I do I do Arkham Asylum, or do I do Arkham City? And I think um, Arkham City... Because, you know, the purist in me wants to put Arkham Asylum because obviously that was the first thing that uh, really did quite a lot of these mechanics. But I think Arkham City kind of edged it out because of how much it made you feel like Batman in a way that Arkham Asylum didn't. In the, that the free reign, the sort of slightly more open world uh, free reign to do anything um, worked exceptionally well i can remember you know the one of the first moments in arkham city when you finally sort of get to the arkham city bit um you're sort of standing on a rooftop and um looking down at uh, some garishly lit building and you can see riddler trophies around and there's a helicopter in the distance and there's, <laughs> there's thugs fighting in the dock and this and it's like kind of overwhelming that it's like oh my god there's so much here where do I even start with all this? And I remember thinking, you know, and, you know, oh, and obviously there's the plot and there's all the, you know, th- the, you know, Joker and Two-Face and all the rest of it sort of weighing heavy on your mind. And it and it's a beautiful moment. And I think what Arkham City did was very, which was very clever, which made you feel like Batman in a way that even Arkham Asylum didn't, was the simple use of this, um, always having the grapple hook with you um, and being able to just, fire that off to any surface and zip up and immediately into a glide 
um, and swoop around to your heart's content. Yeah. Um, doing that over and over and over again um, in Arkham City, it remains one of my all-time gaming memories, I think. And um, with the best will in the world and, and much love to the, the people who wrote the music to... Um, for for all the Arkham games, there there was something about firing your grappling hook, shooting off into the sky, opening your wings up and gliding that just immediately kicks in that Danny Elfman, Tim Burton, uh, Batman theme tune in my brain, and I <laughs> sing that over the, over the top of whatever was actually going on. That sort of uh, you know, that sort of yeah, total, like holy shit, this is Batman. This is totally Batman. Um, and it was one of those games that, you know, obviously I was, I was never a big comic book fan. I was never a big comic book kid. Um, so quite a lot of Batman sort of, you know, even Superman and all the rest of it, Spider-Man, all that deep lore stuff uh, massively, massively passed me by. So it's quite nice to go into stuff like Arkham Asylum and Arkham Knight. And um, they do quite a good job of sort of almost like bringing you up to speed in what the universe thinks of Killer Croc or, you know, two-face and who yeah, he was it's kind of like a, just a like kind of um <laughs> amalgam of all the different yeah, sources it's like Catwoman a is. it's like a panini sticker album of all the batman yeah. villains Do you know what it's, it's like the cliff notes of batman <laughs> yeah history, absolutely right? like yeah. kind of everything <laughs> um so yeah and, and obviously it carried on all the stuff from arkham asylum that was incredible you know the the fighting system which uh was feels weird now that it's been used in so much other stuff but again was one of those things that you just go oh my god why has no one ever done this before this is perfect um really simple god, so good is that good, good. Stuff. I... Uh, and uh and all this you know beautiful game design stuff the 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 gliding and the punching and the the Metroidvania kind of stuff and the open world GTA stuff and the ability to do side quests and all this really, really lovely sort of feels like the peak of um, where games were at the time, you know, all this stuff like, you know, standing on the shoulders of GTA and Assassin's Creed and, you know, stuff and doing it well um, was incredible. And then wrapping it up all up in one of the best, one of the most, in, one of the most interesting IPs, uh, was certainly one of the most um, aspirational IPs. You know, everyone loves Batman a little bit. Even yeah. people who think Batman's boring love Batman a little bit. Um, letting you be that character in a way that you know, a lot of games struggle with, you know, really identifying with who the main character is, who you're playing. You know, even if you're playing something like, you know, uh, Gears of War or whatever, do you really identify with Marcus Phoenix or is he just a man on the screen that you're controlling um, and I think uh, the Arkham games do an incredibly good job of making you feel like Batman so much um, that it sort of it sort of transcends a little bit the medium and, and sort of pokes at your brain in a really interesting way that it will say you can do this you're Batman <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm uh, Batman <laughs> you know you can stand you can stand on top of a building and Holy shit! Like you know, just stand, like just jumping off a building and thumping into the ground in a. It does something like, so incredible. towards the ground and then, you know, his cape opening up. So yeah, he lands gently. it's just beautiful. It does uh, something but- so incredible that 
many games struggle with, and that's making a powerful character feel powerful, yet mm. not Yeah, you invincible. can still take a punch to the face and you're down. Yeah, and, uh. and it was like the puzzles and the slowly gaining more abilities to help you get through the story. Yeah. It all felt very natural, and it felt like Batman wasn't limited in any way from the start to the finish. He was just good and then yeah, got yeah. better. It, he was always good, and that was amazing because you could fail and if if anyone's played that game on the hardest difficulty that game is really hard really um, hard really yeah absolutely that is nails hard um but batman always feels powerful and that is very true to the character he is obviously yeah. without fear most of the time so that was one of their greatest successes i think when it came to that game yeah and it's and it's odd because we talk about Arkham Knight, which um, is obviously the one after, which is an incredibly good game and really well put together and um, beautiful in ways that Arkham City couldn't be because of the tech. Um, but it sort of feels weirdly like a retread of Arkham City in a lot of ways, but does some great things with storytelling, does some great things with the characters, um, you know, some amazing missions, but obviously kind of hampered by the fact it was the same thing again. Uh, which is why I think which is why I picked Arkham City because it was the first time that it let you do all those things, and I think the story was a little tighter, a little more interesting. Um, but uh, Arkham Knight was also awesome. I mean, Arkham Knight I have fond memories of because um, that was this time last year, and my son had just been born, um, and I was I I remember creeping downstairs with him at six o'clock in the morning, and he him being asleep on me. Um, and collecting all the Riddler trophies, all the Riddler. <laughs> so like nothing, there was nothing else to do. I, you know, I couldn't play. I didn't want to play any of the plot sensitive stuff because if he'd kicked off in the middle of the cutscene, yeah, I don't want to miss to... the cutscene. But I also <laughs> don't want to dismiss my own child. So, um, so I, so I was just doing all the all the Riddler stuff, which was weirdly um, cathartic. And you look at it and you go, I've got, I've got like. Uh, 30 Riddler trophies now out of the 267 or whatever it is and you go at it for hours and hours and hours and you're only halfway through and you think oh Jesus (laughs) like it was a it's a really weird thing to be doing but I I found it quite um, weirdly satisfying to do um, and get that final ending and and, because you know I was a massive fan of Arkham Asylum and Arkham City so um, getting the getting the big final proper ending in Arkham Knight and which requires you to, to get all the Riddler trophies was kind of important to me and feel really feeling like I'd wrap that trilogy up really nicely, which isn't a thing you you know you get very much in games, is it? No, you, you don't. You, know, you feel like a feel like a you owe a debt of gratitude to games, <laughs> like to the games you're playing. Well, it's kind of almost so, like saying goodbye, isn't it? It's kind of like yeah. saying goodbye to a character. It made the character yeah. maybe Batman, and he lives on in other things, but that virtual Kevin Conroy Batman. Very much uh, fits yeah, in so, those things. Like, so, you know, just an incredible game that, um, again, another one I'd like to explore more deeply. You know, you play it through and you play the story missions and you do all the side quests, but you always sort of feel like you're missing things. I'll tell you the other thing about Arkham City, which I was really impressed with, is one of the first times in many, 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 many years that I'd actually been stuck on a game. And I remember, I can't remember what it was. It was like some side quest where I had to find a hidden opening to a warehouse. It's like, they're, oh, they're in this warehouse. I could not for the life of me find the entrance. And I was like, this is 
really nice feeling stuck and not having like some tutorial box pop up and go, if you need to get into this warehouse, there's a lever around the corner or, you know, like, <laughs> like games, like games and these days are terrified yeah. of making you use your battle vision to zoom in onto openings. Yeah. For, yeah. So I really appreciated that, that I was, you know, I just, I actually just spent an hour being Batman and looking at a building <laughs> and trying to work out how you would get into it. So I was like, so I have a lot of very fond memories of Arkham City and, um, uh, and it's a, and it is, it is one that, you know, there's a lot of nook and nooks and crannies to that game. Yeah. That are, are a, um, Arkham City absolutely. is uh, one of the only games, one of the very few games I've actually finished in one sitting, the story mode. Wow. Is. Uh, yeah. Um, that was a long day. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, but a great day. It was such a f- superb game. Um, and I don't know this for me. I didn't particularly like Ar- Arkham City the way it looked. I, I don't, I'm not really a fan of bleakness in video games, although Batman's is quite cartoony. Mm. I thought Arkham itself was too dark. Uh, but I love the combat and I love Batman, uh, the yeah. character, and Mark Hamill's there's Joker. A, there's a grunge, isn't there, to Arkham? Yeah, there kind of is. Asylum that f- makes it feel kind of um, dour. In a, like, and obviously a stylistic choice, but it, it does feel very um, dirty and gritty and grimy, and you feel unclean for playing. It's it. kind it's, of a place you don't want to spend a lot of time. And, exactly, and that kind of puts me off a little bit. Like, I I went back and I played it a few times. I played it on the hardest difficulty as well with friends, and that lends like greatly to how good the combat is in that game, which is mm. my favorite aspect and something that always. I always remember from that series. And obviously we have the rumors of Rocksteady working on other IPs, which like Mm. they should, because they're so good at it. Um, If you, if you could sort of have any uh, superhero or IP that you think would Rockstar would really lend to, like they did with the Batman series, uh what what sort of idea would you want to be worked on i don't know i heard i i had heard they were doing ninja turtles but then that other platinum ninja turtles came out recently so i can't really i don't know if that's true or if if that was just a load of hokum ages ago but um i think you could do some incredibly good things with spider-man um because i don't really feel like a spider-man game is I think that was one of the ones rumored, but obviously that's Marvel. So yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but that would definitely work. You know, I think there is an astonishing amount of worth in a Superman game. Superman's kind of boring because he's so invincible. But if you look at like um, golden era Superman, he's much more interesting because he's just this bloke who can jump high and take lots of bullets before he dies. Right. (laughs) He's just like, (laughs) like in the fifties, Superman was, was much more interesting because he was just a strong man. Um, and, um, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good scope for a Superman game, which is obviously a big game design challenge, how you make basically any, some big, massive, invincible prick interesting. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think there's some, I think there's a lot of scope for that. I, you know, I think, um, in all honesty, if I was to say what my fantasy rec- rock star next superhero game would be, um, I think one thing that no one has really done well, you could take the Arkham, you could take Arkham City and make it not Gotham and, you know, some generic city and all the baddies in it and make them just make your own supervillains. And I think I would like to see Rocksteady just let me let me loose with a character creator and let me pick, let me set up a guy who, a superhero who is 
I don't know, and I pick my traits. I can, yeah, I could, I can fly, but I'm, you know, know, (laughs) like the old um, champions online and city of heroes. Yeah, yeah, but 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 a really tight single player experience of my own um, superhero with my own cape and style and all the rest of it. That's a massively untapped (laughs) market that I think would be really interesting, and I would love to see them. We meet um, again, like, gold spatula. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, like, they'd have to like give you name. Like you'd, they'd have to like you'd have to pick your superhero name from like a list of twenty. Oh, that <laughs> like, would be so good. <laughs> so that'd be so up, good. <laughs> like, oh, it's you, strong man. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him do that. I think that's the. Uh, I think that's the logical next step rather than using someone else's IP is go yeah. for your own thing and, and really do it well. Um, that would be great. That would be. We live in hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're going to move on to your penultimate game now. Um, a game I've never played, but I've heard quite a lot of. And so I would like you to tell me about it. So let's listen to some music and dive straight into it. The penultimate game that you're going to be taking with you, Dan, um, is a space trading and combat title that was released for the PC in October of 2005. It's developed by Egosoft and published by Deep Silver here in Europe. Uh, it's the third installment in the X Universe titles. It's X3 Reunion. Yeah, it's an. It's a, this is an odd one. This is me cheating the system as well. I think. <laughs> Sorry, I <I'm> took <too> completely. <laughs> um, why don't you uh, like X3 my is, rules, Dan? X3 is one of those games that that demanded me ha- demanded I have more time than I do, um, which is a shame because I would love to spend a lot of time getting into it. You know, you can do stuff in X3. You get a ship and you can trade and do all your elite stuff, but you can build space stations and you can set those space stations. You set up trade routes and have a fleet of ships sending stuff to and fro for you and all the rest of it. Um and it's one of those things that I would love to play X3 properly and and really get into it. But obviously, um, real life just constantly gets in the way. And it's, it's something I've never been able to get my teeth into properly. But that said, it was one of the um, one of my greatest. I think it's where, where quite a lot of these games came from is where my greatest uh, gaming moments. You know, if I think back to um, times I, that things have happened to me, exceptional things have happened to me. And X, X3 is one of those where... Um, you know, I was looking to make a quick buck, so smuggling something massively illegal across a really dangerous part of space and um, hiding from these pirates on the other side of a spaceship, uh, so a space station. 
and they were sort of and I you know they're probably doing nothing but flying around but in my head they were trying to find me and steal my cargo <laughs> um and I remember just sitting dripping with sweat with my hand hovering over the thrusters button for like 10 minutes while they searched for me and floated around because I knew I wouldn't be able to take them on in a fight um and it was just one of those it's one of those things that this is that that's not happened to anyone else um that's that's purely uh a Dan Marshall story a Dan Marshall memory that that particular set of circumstances didn't wasn't wasn't scripted it wasn't um something anyone else would have experienced and it was that game was just one of those things that just felt like it was made up of moments like that where um you're telling your own story and you're um living out a, a fantasy in a way that not a lot of games can offer uh your you know um who I am in that spaceship and what I'm doing you know Dan Marshall started out goody two shoes, you know, shipping small quantities of water to places that desperately needed it. And then within about three hours was some sort of smuggling asshole pirate. Some space (laughs) cowboy. Like like, (laughs) circumstances, circumstances out, outweighed my, my good intentions. And I, I needed an extra thousand bucks to buy a particular space gun, uh, and so all morals went out the window and I, I just started, I don't know, selling human remains to people or whatever it was <laughs> I was doing. Um, it, it kind of, you know, to me, it was one of those games that I felt um, when people talk about Elite, which was which was something that passed me by, unfortunately. You know, I, I never really, I, you know, I tried playing Elite on a BBC Micro when I was a kid and I couldn't even, I couldn't even dock into the little rotating cube thing. So, um I found that quite difficult. So Elite passed me by, and I think X3 is basically my Elite. I understand why people have such fondness for Elite because um, of the the misadventures I got up to uh, in X3. Did you happen to play X Rebirth? No, I was very... I, I followed it very closely and was um, constantly logging on to find how... Like when it was coming out, and it delayed, and it delayed, and it delayed. And it came out, and... Um, was massively problematic as I understand it. And uh, really, really, yeah, I think it was a, um, an unmitigated was, disaster. Really, it didn't work. And I think they've patched it now to a point where it's actually quite playable. But I think, I think the kind of the moment has passed a little bit, and I'm not. Um, I think Elite came and sort of Elite Dangerous came and stole its thunder. Right, I know. I haven't, I haven't tried Elite Dangerous either, but I, Elite Dangerous is one of those games that I, I look at and I think I'd quite like to try that. But just, it's, I forgive me if I'm wrong, but it just sort of feels like they haven't finished it yet. Like I well, want to play it was, with... uh, when it got released, it was still uh, obviously in beta. It was a uh, yeah, still adding, game, wasn't it? But they're so. still adding bits to it, right? They're still adding yeah. stuff. And, I, and it's one of those games where I sort of think I want to, I want to play it when when they're finished adding all the bits to it. Um, when they go, <laughs> okay, that's it. We're not doing any more things, and so I can take a look at it. And because I, you know, I remember when it launched, everyone sort of said the 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 impression I got from Elite Dangerous was that it's, it's a really pretty place to sort of fly around and and. But there's not much else apart from just sort of flying. I to didn't. Fr- I didn't get on with it. I had a lot of friends who were playing it, and they they all bought they all bought flight sticks and uh, all that kind of thing because <laughs> the control system is is, <laughs> for lack of a better word, complex. Um, right. You if you don't have a flight stick or you don't have some sort of funky setup uh, for Elite Dangerous, you're pretty much constricted to a very 
strange controller setup or you yeah. have to use the keyboard and the controller in unison which mm. is not easy and i had to do that uh-huh. and docking and taking off and not crushing my ship and one of the worst things was like uh jumping to like warp speed or whatever and like mm. warping to another place and then trying to stop before crashing into the sun yeah it's extremely difficult and difficult. uh you think it would be easy not to crash into a sun wouldn't you they're quite big exactly and and the worst part is when you would get like a mission or you'd be told to do something like go search for this bounty in this area you'd get to that area and that area would be huge that area would literally be fucking yeah, massive yeah, 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 like yeah. it would be a quadrant of like, space and you just have to sort of Flying around for a few hours. A lot of people got a kick out of, you know, waiting and scoping out, like kind of like a stakeout, like, uh, and then attacking people sort of behind meteorites or asteroids and stuff, which is in the theory and in my head really fucking cool. But I don't have four hours to sit there and wait for a ship to fly past me. I think, I think like these games like X, X3 and, um, Elite, you know, I was, uh, one of the games that very nearly made the list, but, ultimately wasn't a um a desert islandy sort of uh uh title was uh was wing commander 4 I, you know wing commander 3 was amazing wing commander 4 to my uh 16 year old brain was the greatest story ever told if you look, go back and watch the cutscenes for wing commander 4 they are so cheesy and hammy and <laughs> badly directed and ropily acted in parts and you know and uh, well, they have mark but, hamill in them at least but at one point but at one point i thought they were they were like the dog's bollocks they were you know the greatest <laughs> thing i'd ever seen um but there is something you know if you'd have asked me uh when i was 16 years old what the greatest video game i could conceive is i would have said oh, i would be a a game where I get a spaceship and I and I fly around and I can do whatever I want. You know, I think um there's a certain something about that that massively appeals to me. Yeah. Um obviously spaceships are cool. Obviously being <laughs> your own running a running your own spaceship is doubly cool. Um and I think it's you know so kind of even even with Elite and the X Games and the Star Citizen and all that sort of stuff, uh Feels like no one has really tapped into what it is that made you know the the sort of the emergent gameplay side of things. I don't think has really uh, they've really nailed why that's so appealing and the, yeah. you know, the, the jumping around a, a space system. You know, like like uh, Mass Effect Two's sort of jumping around the space system was was great and like that had a really nice but. It was surface level only running a ship. Yeah, you sort of want something that is. It's ah. Oh, you it's, want basically. I want what I would like is a is a is a game where I on a carrier ship. I'm the captain of a carrier ship, and I have crewmen that I can tell to do things. Yeah, at, who are running things, and I can go and talk to them and say, and I can say shields up, and then they say, and then and then run down to the flight deck and get into a fighter and. You know, and all the rest of it, and I think that, you exactly, know, exactly. It's uh, I think the X, the X Games and the and the Elite Games are, are sort of starting uh, my playing out that kind of fantasy. I think that's my one of my ideal games is is something along those lines. I couldn't agree with you more because I sort of have always thought of that kind of game being my ideal game as well. Like the mm. games like Eve and X Three and Elite appeal to me 
greatly because when I ask people about them, they're like, yeah, you can do anything. You can take bounties, you can carry cargo, you can look after your own ship. And it's like, yes, finally, they've made a game like this. But as soon as you play those games, whether it's like Eve, uh, Eve is great. You can do loads of things, but you have no direct control over what happens in yeah. a sense that everything's kind of like you plot a course and your ship just goes on that course and that kind of thing. Um, and then it comes to games like Elite. You can't get out of your ship to do anything other yeah. than sit in the cargo bay or do stuff. And then or, we've seen Star Citizen. It's looking like you're going to be able to do those awesome things like getting out of a base, getting onto a base, shooting pirates like you would or like clashing with people over a bounty um, on a space station. But obviously it's not here yet. Th- there's always something missing, like whether it's Eve and... And you're like, yes, I can do everything, but now I can't actually control. Uh, it's always like one or the other. You're in the spaceship and you can do loads of things, yeah, spaceship, yeah. but you can't walk around. Yeah. You can walk around a lot like you can in Mass Effect, but you can't control the ship. It's it's No game has ever got the two combined like together to make a, a, a game that has the freedoms of a space game and what you actually really want to do. I yeah. want to be able to meet other players on like kind of like destiny meet them in space after flying there on my spaceship that i piloted manually piloted with all my crew <laughs> and everything i arrived at the same time someone else did so i got into a firefight with them killed them took the bounty got back on my ship piloted my ship back to yeah. the, the nearest space station <laughs> exactly that is the game that is the game we need <laughs> it's yeah. the one we deserve but no one's done it yet no, like or no one's actually nailed that and maybe it's too big of an undertaking currently but it doesn't seem so far fetched it never really so it never really feels massively impossible does it it's sort of um you can drive around everywhere in a car why can't you just drive everywhere in a spaceship yeah exactly yeah. and you control it I, I maybe the trouble is the space travel is actually when it comes down to it quite dull <laughs> in that it's, space is very big and point, all you have to do is point a spaceship in the right direction and that's it. Well, um, we're going to kind of have No Man's Sky, but we'll, how that so plays we'll out... out we'll find know. out exactly how dull space travel is, won't we, when, when No Man's Sky comes out. <laughs> then we'll know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, you and me can dream. Uh, well, you can dream on this island. Maybe, maybe just for you, if a game such like this I deem worthy of your space-faring adventures, I'll send it to you on your island. Thanks. Lovely. Awesome. Well, now we're going to move on to your last game. The last game we're going to speak about today, and it's a game that's literally been out looking at the calendar for maybe 36 days or something ridiculous now. Um, It's the most recent game on your list, obviously, and it's the first time, I think, well, it's certainly the shortest time between a game being released and it appearing on this show. So let's listen to some music and let's talk about the final game of today.
So Dan, as I stated just a few minutes ago, this title was released only last month, and it's the PlayStation 4 exclusive that's developed by Naughty Dog, the fourth mainline title, and supposedly the last to feature the series protagonist Nathan Drake. It received almost perfect scores across the board, with rabid fans of the series even attacking journalists who gave it a a score lower than an 8. It's Uncharted 4, A Thief's End. Dan, please tell me why the last game you're taking to your Uncharted 2-style island is Uncharted 4. Well, I mentioned how much I like reading uh, shit books about adventures. Uncharted always tapped into that um, that side of me really well. There's, you know, the the sub the Nazi submarine poking out of a waterfall in the first one, um, you know, full of skeletons, just sends I mean, down shivers down my spine. Um, I, you know, it's a toss up between four and Uncharted four and Uncharted two. Uncharted two, obviously. Uh, defined the uncharted games really well um and was a was a beautiful incredible experience it's the it's one of those games that uh, you know uncharted 2 and 4 where where you're sort of playing it thinking i can't believe i'm actually controlling this um in a lot of times probably you aren't really but um that's by the by it it's one of those is you know the convoy section in uncharted 2 just massively blew my mind yeah so um it was a choice between Uncharted 4 and Uncharted 2. And I think Uncharted 4 actually um, just pips out to, obviously, first of all, it's it's a lot prettier because it's um, next gen and it's a lot newer. But Uncharted 4 um, builds on, on Uncharted in a lot of interesting ways. I think, you know, like um, Neil Druckmann taking over, having done The Last of Us, um, lends the story to Uncharted 4 a lot more gravitas, a lot more weight. Um, I'm not going to do anything that's spoilers. Um, yeah, it's obviously so. Usually, fresh, spoilers but, are okay on the show, um, but obviously, but for, no, we'll, we'll, we'll stay clear on this. Yeah. one. it's 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 more it's 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 a general thing, really. That um, you know, the writing is has gone has gone a little bit from that sort of um, pulp childhood book, you know, that sort of 1950s pulp feeling that the Uncharted one, two, and three had. Um, and it sort of dragged it a little bit more into sort of believable world weary characters who um uh you genuinely start to care about in a way that even uncharted 2 and 3 didn't really manage um and as and as well as that it's it's you know it's got a kind of um you know uncharted 4 does um a lot of things with the characters and the story that i think is really incredible but also manages to um drag the shooting and puzzles and you know stealthy stuff up so much in a way that really kind of elevates it even above uncharted 2 um it's beautiful in a way that i don't just mean the graphics you know it's doing that it's kind of doing that thing that i think we were talking about half-life 2 doing and and no one else really managing to emulate which is um obviously naughty dog have always had that level of sheen that um uh i can't really i can't really put into words what what it is um but uncharted 4 just oozes quality out of every single line of dialogue out of every single um bullet casing every single jump um it's it's an amalgam of everything i think they've they've learned as a studio 
through The Last of Us and through even like Crash Bandicoot, there's a load of Crash Bandicoot sort of references in, in Uncharted 4 and in, in more ways than the stuff that was yeah. plus global <laughs> with the sort of in-game little bit. Yeah. But um and I think I think that's a really nice nod because it sort of does show um exactly where they've come from and 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 what they've achieved and what they've learned over the last sort of I don't know, like 10, 15 years or however long it's been. Um and I can't say much more without spoiling it, but it's it's one of those games that I can't wait to play again. I will I have a save game prepped for when um people come round for dinner or whatever and say, I don't really understand why you play video games. <laughs> uh, because I, I, I had the, I had actually that with Uncharted Three. Um, which I can spoil, I think is far enough away, but yeah. long enough ago. But there was a we had I had someone around who was sort of bolshy and um, you know one of the, you know one of these assholes who sort of will quite happily watch EastEnders but thinks that playing video games is a waste of time, um, or you know for non Brits like dreadful soap it's dread, yeah. dreadful, dreadful soap operas that are just a waste of time trash um, TV in comparison to the artwork of Uncharted Four exactly and he, <laughs> you know, he didn't really understand why you know he'd you know quite happily watch Transformers Two but wouldn't play video games because they were for children or they, you know, or they, they didn't, weren't, didn't tell interesting stories and stuff. Mm, um, yes. And I showed him, I showed him the bit from Uncharted three where um, the, you, you smuggle onto the plane and the back of the plane opens up and you have to avoid Jeeps rolling towards you. And you eventually get sucked out of the back of the plane and onto the netting and uh, you know, onto a crate, which falls towards the ground and a, parachute opens up and it's just this astonishing series of events that as you say you can't really believe you're playing it that it's actually happening it's all happening seamlessly in real time um and uncharted 4 i've got a similar save game ready for when (laughs) when, next time someone comes around and says because that 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 blew his mind and his eye didn't realize games had come on that far i thought it was all still pac-man and and stuff like that and um you know i think he could appreciate a little bit more you know, you, if you're going to sit down and watch a bad action film for two hours, you might as well sit down and play a bad action film for two hours. Um, and Uncharted 4 has has a sequence in that that uh, is the one they showed off for E3 largely, but there's there's a little bit more to it. Um, the Madagascar, sort of great stuff. big, the great big car chase through the yeah. dirt and mud and stuff. Um, My lord, that that, that, that whole experience oh. is. Um, it's worth playing just for that section alone it's worth playing that section alone you know even if you don't want to play any of the rest of it it's worth finding someone going around someone's house who's got got it saved at that point and playing that section because um yeah you know it is it is action thrills in a way that i can't explain and it's you know all for all the you know, times you've watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Die Hard and things like that and idolise these characters, the ability yeah. to play through sequences that are arguably even more over the top than anything that Indiana Jones could ever manage, but you're the one ultimately doing the controls and deciding what happens. Uh, I think it's just it's just a, it's a really piv- important moment in video games. And like I say, you can you can take someone and say, 
this is, you know, someone says to you, why video games? You can say, this is why video games. Like you, you, you are missing out on so much by not experiencing things like this. And it makes me sad that you turn your nose up at them so readily. It, um, it's, it's funny because to me, what Uncharted 4 does wrong is actually the game parts of it. Like it's so good of a set piece as a, t- as a piece of media that, you know, the game bits are okay. Like the shooting is okay. The climbing you know, is, is okay. Um, but the, what I found to be the most enjoyable parts of Uncharted 4 and something that thinking back to it now, I still think is something that in time will be appreciated more is, you spend a lot of that game with Drake's brother. That's no spoilers. The mm. trailers have all shown that Drake meets his brother and he needs Drake's help and whatever. Drake spends a lot of that game with his brother talking. A brother he's not seen for 15 years. And it. Uh, what do you say to someone like that? What, like, do you catch up on all these things? It has a scene where they sort of catch up and that kind of thing. It's very early on in the game. Um, but after that, the things they talk about are their, are their common interests. And they mm. sort of have like little brotherly intellectual battles as they go along and they're always sort of taking jabs at each other. And it's like, of course they are. They're brothers. Like they are having back and forths like real brothers would. They're, they're, you know, they're not exactly nice to each other. They're kind of always having to dig at each other and that kind of thing. And that is so incredibly believable and so very well written. And none of that dialogue gets repeated. You play this game for yeah. 12 hours and eight hours of that is with these two characters. Yeah. None of that dialogue gets repeated. And that is just outstanding. And when I sat there afterwards and I was like, I really like that. I really like that. And I like that mostly because the time I've spent is just listening to two two family members sort of have a little bit of a petty argument about yeah, yeah, all these yeah. different things. And it's so believable. And hats off to like the writers at uh, well, Naughty Dog and for what they did, everything in that game, the technical, like the technical aspects of it, the video game aspect of it is pretty good. Like to me, it's not, it's probably the weakest part of it. See, this is, this is the, this is what I want to say. This is the point I was going to pick you up on, which yeah. um, I think is the reason actually I pick one of the reasons I picked four over two is that for every Uncharted game I've ever played, um, in all honesty, the walking around, looking at things, solving puzzles, listening to the dialogue and doing a little bit of jumping and and climbing and stuff is the stuff that I really enjoy. Um, and every time in all the other Uncharted games, every time a group of mercenaries turned up, I just sort of go, oh, yep, you know, <laughs> I couldn't you, agree like, more. <laughs> everything's stop. Everything has to stop now because we have to do some shooting. And I, I'm not really one doing shooting. I'm quite enjoying just listening. Yep. Just and someone described um, Uncharted Four as a walking simulator before I uh, before I played it. And I think actually that's quite. It is actually a really technically amazing, well done walking simulator with style game. And I would be quite happy if they took all the shooting out. Um, and it was uh, literally just a just a I, uh, like wandering wandering round ruins, looking at things. And, and I don't mind kind of the shooting, 
But, oh, no, 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 I don't, no, I don't mind shooting, and I and I think it's I think it's important to have it in, and I think it's good. But I, I, but the the, the point was, I think um, Uncharted Four do, does very well in something that the other Uncharted games didn't, in that the number, the amount of shootouts is massively reduced, and the amount of shooting is massively. Yeah, reduced. you do not get in a shootout until maybe four or five hours into that game, really, and you don't, and you don't even um, when you do. Like you know, when you get into a into a into a bit that no one else is, you know, you uncover a new tomb or something, and you know the mercenaries are going to be there when you get out, but it's not the same big deal that it was in the other games. And I think, and I and I really genuinely really appreciated that, and um, felt like it matured a little bit. Like this isn't this isn't that game where where it's endless people popping up um, and doing shooting. And actually, when they do do shooting. Uh, they do this thing. They do quite a good job of stopping you from just sort of hiding behind a single pillar and shooting. Yeah, um, from that thing, the, the the environments feel a lot more open to you in terms of running around, doing a punch, swinging off uh, more more open to using your toolkit, your tool set. So yeah, you know, swinging off a rope and thumping someone and um, blah blah blah. Uh, they, just... they they do a much better job of organizing all that. Into into much smaller and less frequent shootouts, they feel like they're they're a bit more enjoyable because you're not. It's not a slog. It's not like oh god again. They're they're they're, they're fewer and more far between, so they're, so they're a bit more entertaining when they do happen. You don't mind them as much when they do happen. I would be quite happy with the shooting being taken out, but what I personally think would improve that game uh, quite drastically is the fact that the enemies weren't such bullet sponges. Like if you hit. Like a enemy in the head in Uncharted, maybe nine maybe out of ten nine. times they <laughs> won't go down. But yeah, that game needs to where if you like if you shoot someone in the head, they're gonna die. Like that game really needs that because the shooting is the weakest aspect of it. Um, on four does it a lot better with being able to swing around the map. A lot more, yeah. like Drake's, like yeah. grappling hook. And they're thing. much more open. Is it amazing? Yeah, sort of environments as well. They're much more. They're yeah. kind of like mini, but that that then lends to the predictability. Because <laughs> what's funny about Child Four is you kind of know when you're gonna get into a fight because the environment all of a sudden sort of opens into kind of like a little circle, and then there's all these little buildings, or yeah. there's all these barrels, and you're like. Yeah, where are they? Where's the mercenaries? And then you'll like, <laughs> then you'll like open a tomb or you'll like press like a, an ancient monkey statue on the wall and all of a and sudden 60 come. guys <laughs> pop on. You're like, ah, oh, bugger. I did, I did put a thing on Twitter about because the, the new Doom is very good as well at, um, using environments in a way that video games sort of fail to do. I don't know about you, but like, I tend to hide behind the first pillar I can find and then kill all the baddies and then, walk around these really nice environments full of exploding barrels and traps and <laughs> interesting vantage points and go and go, yeah, this would have been a really interesting place to have a fight. But I've done my fight by hiding in that corner. And Doom, the new Doom does a very good thing about um uh forcing you to use the environment in a way um through through a lack of you don't have to reload your guns and there's no cover and you regain health by running up to baddies and and killing them yeah. um, with your fists uh, <laughs> does an incredible job of doing that. And I think Uncharted 4 also worked really hard to always be trying to flush you out of your safe zones. You know, the, your your um, cover b- 
blows quite quickly and easily you know a lot of destructible environment stuff going on and uh, managing all at the same time to look incredibly slick while doing it the whole yeah. thing even even your clunkiest um shootouts look like something out of a high budget action film um it's a it's it's on another level in a lot of ways and i i really appreciate um spending time in that world and yeah uh, so it's one of those things that from my uncharted tropical island i will be sitting there <laughs> playing it's... a virtual giant, well i think i think I think you're it's, in a that's I, classic. That, that's typical Dan Marshall. That is, it's like <laughs> sitting on a on a beach with a massive ruin behind me, all right from exploring, <laughs> and I'm sitting there playing someone else, going jumping over ruins. But well, I think you're in with a good shout for best choice anyway, because that game features one of the best features ever, which is the photo mode. So you could spend your whole time, the time, yeah, just, just taking photos around. in that game because. Man, that feature is good. Yeah, good. <laughs> that feature is so so really good. good, so good. Well, I think we've I think we've come to the end, Mister Dan Marshall. Wow. I think this this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you about all these games. Um, but just before I let you go, I have the final question before I ship you off to the tropical islands. And the last question I usually ask my guests uh, at the end of the show is if you could take any console, just one, any console with you, uh, barring PC, so home consoles only, uh, thinking of the back catalogue in mind as well, what console would you take? Do you know what? My first thought was just PS4 because it's basically... It's a nice slick. Um, I, I like the interface on PS4, and it's it feels grown up, and it feels um, tactile. And I like, I do like a DualShock Four, uh, and it and it looks pretty, and it plays lots of games. But the but my my one true love is the Mega Drive, and I think if I could take any console, although I'm limiting myself. With the games that I can take, I would I would take a con I would take a Mega Drive because it there, there's something about it that just makes me incredibly happy. That brings back very warm, fuzzy, happy feelings of Flashback and Sonic Two and um, you know Doctor Robotnik's Mean Beam Machine and all these <laughs> glorious, glorious um, uh, warm memories from my childhood. So I think for pure nostalgia, it would be a Mega Drive. Well, the Mega Drive, along with all those wonderful eight games that you've chosen, XCOM 2, Half-Life 2, Sonic 2, GTA 5, Luminez, Arkham City, X3, and Uncharted 4. They're all yours to take with you. And I bid you adieu on the ship that you're going to be sailing to the Tropical Island. I, I reckon you're going to have the best time, to be honest. With all these the, the games you've chosen, <laughs> the games you've chosen like, are all games like, that you know, you know you know it will just be me playing XCOM two and a pile of seven untouched games. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get around to them. I'll just play this map and then I'll get around to the other seven. I'll get around to the others. Oh oh, the game ended. Oh look, <laughs> might as well start again. <laughs> I might play Luminaires while I'm on the toilet. You started maybe. me off on XCOM two again now, and I was gonna just sort of hang up, and then that was it. But now I'm gonna. 
I'm just going to boot up Steam and have a quick go. <laughs> <laughs> don't expect Kickman for the next month, then, guys. Because... Yeah, no, don't. Yeah, yeah, don't. <laughs> well, Dan, th- oh, once again, thank you so much for coming out. It's been a, a, a utter pleasure to talk to you today. You too. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, is there anything you would like to tell the wonderful people or what they should be looking at or where they could find you on the internet? Uh, I, the only real place I am is Dan That on Twitter. Um, where I frequently treat, tweet nonsense and rude things about football at the yes. moment. The football things will probably end soon enough. <laughs> but, um, well, hopefully the football things will end soon. Um, so yeah, that's the best place to get in touch with me. That is. You should definitely check out Dan's Twitter feed because the Kickman development has been absolutely wonderful to be following. Uh, so you should definitely be following that. And if you potentially want to follow me, which would be nice, it would be very nice if you did, you can follow me at Liam BME. Uh, you can also follow the show at Final Game Show. And remember, if you go in there, you can enter a competition, which will be great if you like RPGs. Um, you can also email the show, finalgamespodcast at gmail.com. And you can see us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you are on iTunes, please review and rate the show. It'd be excellent. Uh, thank you once again for joining me. And I hope you'll join me next time. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>